I was recently invited to be on the Hashing It Out Wahhabi podcast, another good podcast here, based here out of the 805. Javi caught wind of what we were doing at Solid Foundation through social media and invited me to be on as a guest. On the podcast, we talk about my background, but more importantly, the important work we do with the youth at Solid Foundations. So this episode is actually a recording of that interview Javi did with me straight from his podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Hashing It Out with Javi. This is episode number 14. Uh, I'm excited about this one. I got a really good dude on. Uh, his name is Gilbert Regalado. He is the founder of Solid Foundation. Uh, yes, out, sir. Yeah, man. Out of Santa Barbara, right? Santa Barbara, that's right. Yeah, buddy. Back in my hometown. Mm-hmm. Love that place. Um, so I want to talk about kind of the stuff you guys do because, um, I, well, first I had, I had saw you online uh, a while back uh, through my friend, uh, Isaac and his girl Jessica and their daughter and uh, I was really kind of taken aback. I was like, dude, what this guy's doing is amazing. Like, like I saw their daughter doing stuff like drilling holes and like wood and kind of like using saws and all kinds of yep. all kinds of stuff. Which yeah, Selena's like, been with us. Yeah, yeah, she's been with you guys, right? Yeah. And so, uh, doing things like um, teaching kids how like real skills, right? Real, real, real life skills, not just kind of what we're taught in school, but like how do you build something physically if you had to. Not only build, but learn how to sell it as well. So like how to make a living off of using your own mind and hands. Yeah. It's so important because our kids, we've lost that today. Um, A lot of kids just, uh, they don't have those skills anymore. You know what I mean? Like I knew, I remember when I was a kid uh, growing up, uh, you know, although I went to school on the east side, I I lived on the west side and I remember we had skateboards and I remember putting like a piece of like when my skateboard broke, putting like a piece of plank, like a, like a plank piece of wood on top of it and screwing on it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not and taught. Then, you just came up with it. Yeah, yeah. We just figured it out. You know what I mean? So, you know, we had, you know, we had, you know, my, my, my Tito and my grandpa and my dad's tools and we just kind of screwed some shit on together. We're like, Oh, I not skateboard again. You know what I mean? Like yep. we fixed it. You know what I mean? So, um, I remember building things like bird cages with my dad, for instance, when I was a kid, uh, I grew up on the West side. Well, I, I went to school. Let me rephrase that. I went to school on the East side of Santa Barbara. But I lived on the west side, and at our house we had everything from roosters to <laughs> lovebirds right. yeah. and cockatiels, and we built like we built like an Avery, for instance. Like my dad would build everything, you know what I mean? My dad was he was a horrible husband and a horrible man to a woman, but he was a dad, yeah. you know what I mean? So uh, I learned things like how to build stuff, and and that was really important, you know. And uh, I think it's important to teach our kids these skills today. Uh, we're always worried about like a college education and all these things, which are, it's important people to, for people to think critically. Um, but I feel that the school system today teaches people, uh, more about how to be a robot and how to be an employee An employee. Yep. You know what I mean? And, 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 um, and it kind of demoralizes a lot of the kids that the school system wasn't built for hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like, I, you know, why do we teach kids how to do everything in school, but how to like balance a checkbook or how to invest in the stock market or how to build a table, like things that you or can how actually to build relationships, right? hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. How, how to build those bridges. So, so solid foundations is, is an organization and it's a, it's a, a nonprofit organization, right? Correct. Yeah. We're 501 C three nonprofit organization. Good stuff, man. And, and this is, um, when I saw it, I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. And I was really into it. And then I realized that like, you don't just teach them the building stuff. You teach them like martial arts and fitness and, 
Yeah, it was important to me to be well-rounded. Yeah. So foundationally, self-confidence, I feel, comes from knowing that you can protect yourself, protect the ones you love. That's why we teach martial arts. Work ethic on Wednesdays is so you know that no matter what, if you lose your job or maybe you don't want to work for somebody, that you know how to make your own living. Right. And then Friday's fitness. I think fitness kind of speaks for itself. Everybody knows that they should be working towards a healthier lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, being healthy, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's just not physically but mentally, right? Correct. It's all part of it, right? Correct. So I, I remember I, I was looking at the different areas you touch on, and like you said, it, it's it's about instilling confidence in kids. Um, it's about teaching them martial arts, how to protect themselves, how to be um, uh, physically aware, I guess, um, uh, the work ethic, the fitness, and then also family values, right? Yes. Family values comes with the just being with us, like I was, we were speaking earlier, if a kid still can't throw the combos that we're teaching, you know, right. or you can't get that double leg down three months from now, we don't kick them out of the program because we're not trying to teach them to be a world-class wrestler. What we're trying to do is make them fall in love with the subjects that we teach. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing, too. Right? A lot of kids lack that confidence. I mean, that's one thing I see in this generation is a lack of confidence. Big time. Um, yeah. I think they look for confidence in social media and in the internet and other places and like, that's not real confidence. You know, you get confidence when you go out and you wrestle somebody on a mat and you realize like, Hey man, uh, maybe I'm not as good as I am, but I'm here. You know what I mean? And I showed up and I showed know? up. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And and if I got beat, I'm still here, you know, teaching people how to lose. Exactly. That's a big thing, man. I think uh, a huge part of today's issue with kids, in my opinion, uh, is we've not taught them how to lose. Yeah. I do, I do one-on-ones with a lot of students, uh, but not a lot. I'm starting to open up my schedule to do one-on-ones. And that's one of the things I focus on. Whether we're going to play fight, I'm going to win. Right. Because I can't, because I, that's reality, right? Right. If we're going to race, I'm going to smoke you. Right. And that's because I don't want them to have this false confidence of, oh, I can beat that guy when it's not true. Right. You know, because then they go out to the real world or on the Reese's playground whenever, you know, schools ever open up. (laughs) And when that doesn't happen, they don't know how to handle it. Yeah. So that's where, like we, when I say family family values is a part of our mission is because we instill it in everything we do when we're teaching. Right. Yeah. I mean, we were talking earlier, we were talking about how like, you know, a lot of these kids don't realize how tough life really is. And, and life is tough, man. Life can be tough. And in a lot of aspects and, it's important to, to, uh, allow kids to struggle a bit. You know what I mean? They need it. Yeah. They need it. Yeah. We, we've been kind of, our generation is really bubble wrapped. A lot of kids, unfortunately, you know what I mean? And, and, and it's, it's caused a problem today. So I, programs and organizations like yours are, um, really impressive to me, man. I really, Thank really you, appreciate what you're doing out there. I think it's a really cool thing. Uh, like I said, I didn't even know you yet, <laughs> but I had saw what, what, what Selena was doing and, and Isaac, I'm have to, you know, I haven't had to tag him on this podcast, yeah. but <clears throat> that's how I learned about you. And I was like, holy shit, who's this guy? What is he doing? This is awesome. You know what I mean? And then to come and find out we're from the same neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> just a little bit Santa younger Barbara's than me. Small, huh? Santa Barbara's yeah. small, you know what I mean? From the same neighborhood, but just a little bit younger than me. But, and I was super impressed. I'm like, oh man, he teaches this girl how to use a drill and how to make this thing. And I was like really impressed. And that's and, cool. And, and you know, there's a lot there's a lot of fear to that, right? Like you're going to put this drill in a kid's hand and it's like, you know, native Americans, they had their kids working the land. They had them hunting, right? It's like, we don't push these kids enough. Like you said, we bubble wrap them. It's like, no, give them, 
give them the razor, give them the, the, the drill, you know, have right. them use the chop saw. Yeah. We're right there with them, but they learn at a young age that these things aren't intimidating. Right. So as they grow older, they're not a scared. They're not afraid to pick it up and, and use it. it. That's dude. We didn't talk about that, but that's super important. Like, like, you know, as a kid, um, growing up, I remember doing all the crazy shit I did as a kid. Looking back now, like I look back and I'm like, oh, my kid never did that pork. Like, and I look back when like he missed out on that. You know what I mean? Like I said, building my own skateboard with a drill. Like no one was supervising me. I was like maybe ten years old. Yep. You know, putting screws and through a plank and you know and, and exactly. you know like like no one, no one was like go. Oh my God, Javi, don't do that. That's yeah, scary. Don't do that, Javi. You know? <laughs> yeah, you know Scar you for life. Yeah, yeah exactly. So like we, we forget like, um, and and I think there might be a middle ground between kind of how I grew up. You know what I mean? And maybe how you grew up mm -hmm. and how kids grow up today. Because I grew up very latchkey, like where there was. Not really a parent in the house. There was a parent, but the parent was working and stuff. And, you know, during summers when I was seven, eight years old, you know, I was at home alone, you know yeah. what I mean? So with my brother or whatever. But, like, there's a there's probably a middle ground between that and what we're doing today. Like, today is super bubble wrapped and kind of, like, not really knowing where your kids are at or what they're doing, you know? Like, yeah. I remember being 12, like, in Santa Barbara, taking the bus from, like, the east side out to, like, Isla Vista, you know what I mean? Like, 12 years old, you know what I mean? Like, if you told me today, like, whose kid takes a bus that far and hangs out all day? Yeah. No kids do that today. No, but I did. <clears throat> but we did, right? Yeah. But it was it was a different time, you know what I mean? And we were doing crazy shit as kids back then, you know? Yeah. Just a different time. But I really, really, really appreciate uh, programs like yours because it, it teaches us that other things matter in it, when it comes to raising the kid. And, we, you know, I really feel, and I've said this multiple times, that, like, it takes a village to raise a child. 100%. You know what I mean? And your organization is like one of those, it's part of that village. It is. <clears throat> it know, is, you know, and we, we see the, whether it's the single parents or even parents that are still together, the relief that comes from knowing that they have a program where their kids beg them to go. Right. And it's not because the kids want to go and eat hot Cheetos and play video games. It's because their kids want to go work out. Right. Their kids want to, uh, box they want to spar they want to wrestle and yeah. parents get stoked on that and they also know that me and the coaching staff care and love the children like yeah. when they get left with us they are our responsibility and ain't nothing gonna happen to those kids unless we go down first yeah you know and to have that like imagine if you're a single parent and you don't have anybody uh, I was a single parent, but I had my family to help me with my kids. Right. And so I could only imagine, like we were talking earlier, I'm filled <laughs> with gratitude. I feel like my cup is so full that I, I, I have to give back, you know, and, and I believe that uh, I was gifted my heart and my compassion and my skills from the creator. And it's like, I need to do this. Right. Your, your cup is full. You got to overflow into other cups. You know, exactly. I mean? Yeah. And, you know, you, 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 you touched on something that's super personal to me, which is being a single parent. Um, uh, you know, I've, I've been a single parent now for almost eight years with my son. And I can say this, well, I had a lot of help with my family, my mm -hmm. mom, my sister, they would help me out a lot when they could towards the last few years. It's been really just me. And I haven't had a chance to just have a moment to myself in a sense. Gotcha. Where like an organization like yours can not only help kids, but it could help parents. Right. Yes. Like it could really help parents also. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's an important thing because, um, I always tell people that I made the biggest mistake I made in my, my sort of single fatherhood life was that I, 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 I thought the most important thing to do was to just focus on my son and my son only 
and not worry about myself. Mm -hmm. And I've said this on the podcast before that I really think single parents, and again, I'm going to touch on this again, like you have to make sure your cup is full or you can't pour into other cups. So if you are lacking things, and I lacked for many years, like I, I decided not to get into relationships, for instance, you know, mm -hmm. I was never lonely. Right? It's gotcha. 2021. Right? Yeah, you know I know what you mean. Mean. Yeah. I can have fun, right? It's easy, right? Yeah. But I was never in a serious situation where um, that could have potentially helped out our situation. And me and my son talked about this actually together on a podcast, a previous podcast, where we talk about how like I, I just forgot about myself. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And organization, organizations like yours um, could totally help out kids like this. So when I grew up, there was an organization, it was a Christian one called Young Life. Uh -huh. And YL, yeah. Yeah, YL, Young yeah. Life. So Young Life used to take kids, um, and it was a super Christian uh, organization, but they would take kids up into the mountains behind Santa Barbara, and there was they had this huge piece of land out there, and you would spend the weekend out there, and like that gave my mom a break. Mm -hmm. I look back now and think like my mom got a break. Like thank God because I was a crazy kid. And she got to recharge during <laughs> that time. She got to right? recharge yeah. right, but I look back now and think like I didn't have anything like that. That that I knew about at least when I was raising my kid. You know what I mean. So or, organizations like yours are super important. Um, and shout out to Young Life. Um, they're still around. That's right. Uh, there was a lot of my friends that I grew up with that we came from broken homes, um, you know, domestic violence situations like that, that an organization like that, which is, you know, they, they don't ask for much. They're like, oh, you can't afford $800 for the weekend? Cool. We're going to bring you in here for 15 bucks. Just pay 15 bucks. So you feel like you're paying something, but we're going to take care yeah, of your kids. You got to invest. You got to invest something. Right. And so that organization was good. So what, what I'm getting at is like an organization like yours, uh, Solid Foundations, doesn't just help out kids. It helps out parents, too. Correct. And, and the and the gym that we're aligned with, Superior Fitness, they're in it 100%. So all the solid parents have the capability to have a discounted membership just because they're a solid parent. That's awesome. And that's just the heart of, you know, Dustin Aliano, the owner, is he wanted a gym-based community. And so when he heard what we were doing, he invited us and opened up his doors wide open. That's amazing, uh, man. I, I heard a lot of things about him back in the day. Sounds like he's still a good guy today. Yep. That's awesome, man. That is. Good for him. Yeah, and that's a good gym. So it, it's a, a, what's the name of Jimmy? Superior, Superior Fitness? Superior Fitness. And it's on the west side. It's San, San Andreas, Andreas right? Street, correct. Yeah, because I, I, when I saw your videos, I was like, I know that neighborhood. Mm -hmm. I grew up riding my bike in that neighborhood. Literally, I was like, I know that neighborhood. Yeah, you know I mean? and and we were, uh, we were doing just the Monday martial arts and Friday fitness there for the all of 2020, and we would do the work ethic class at my warehouse because I had all my equipment and tools there, and, and um, it was easy to store the product necessary to do the work ethic class. But we had a, a foundation found us on, on uh, Facebook, you know, not, not knocking on doors, nothing, no emails. They found us and they loved what we were doing so much that they invested a nice grant towards us, but they wanted us to bring every class to the community because they didn't want the kids that lived in that neighborhood and could only make it to class by walking to miss out because they couldn't make it out to Galita. Oh, that's cool. So there's good people all over that care, right? you know? Yeah. And to me, that was very, that was very touching that. They weren't Rasa, you know, they, yep. they have money and they did there, but they're from Santa Barbara from and Santa they want to invest into their yeah. community. Yeah. And so that, that was big. That, that was kind of a big, uh, okay, we're on the right, you know, we're doing something right. Yeah. yeah. It, it, dude, that's awesome. Cause you know, people giving people helping out other people is really important. And, uh, the thing about 
I'm going to go ahead and say as a raza, we're always like, oh, that, you know, fucking we're in our situation because we're in our situation. But no, I mean, honestly, like what I have found in, in my life is that um, uh, there's been a lot of white people, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd say just white people who have been from wealthy means, who have been from powerful means in my life, who have helped me out throughout the years. But it's because they saw that I was busting my ass and giving myself to something. They're like, hey, I'm going to help this guy out. Like I have mentors uh, in my life, uh, both men and women. Um, a woman who I talked about in the podcast before, who I will forever be indebted to, who um, just really mentored me. And it was like, Hey, I mean, she comes from means and wealth and power. And she's like, dude, you're a badass kid. Like I'm going to help you out. Let me help. How can I help you out? What do you need from me? And I was like, just help me get connected to people so I can continue my career. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And um, I really believe that work ethic, which is something you teach kids is extremely important because like, a lot of kids today just want to go on YouTube and do a dance and get a million views, but don't realize that the person who probably did that dance on YouTube maybe did it a hundred thousand times before they got the one right video to make it hit. You know what yeah. I mean? Like work everything matters. that went behind it, right? Yeah. Or work. they're seeing the music videos and they see the Ferraris and the Rolexes and they think, oh, I just got to be a rapper and I get that. But they don't see that the work ethic that rapper put into it. Right. Or the other side of it is none of that was his stuff. Right. And when the cameras turn off, he has to go back to wherever he came from. Right. You know? Exactly. Which, which is normal life. One thing too, that people should know because people don't know you, they're going to learn about mm-hmm. you now. Right. But um, an important thing about you that I think you do is you lead by example. So like I've been following you now for a little bit of time and I watch your stories and kind of what you're doing. Like you're always fucking working. You're always grinding. And um, that's an example. Like people think things come easy. It comes, it does not come easy. And I've been watching you do all the things you do and you're always, whether you're working out, whether you're helping kids, whether you're helping uh, uh, your girl with her, her new project, mm-hmm. right? All the things you're doing, you're consistently doing something always, 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 which, you know, if, if you want to be successful, you got to grind. You have to. And it, I mean, I, I will admit I love working. Yeah. I, I'm a self, uh, you know, I'll admit I'm a, I'm a workaholic and it's something that I've had to, learn how to balance, especially being a single father. You know, my, my kids needed more attention from me. But um, as far as work ethic goes, man, I love what I do. And all I know, you know, I started businesses at 18. I didn't have a leadership course. I didn't, I didn't go to college for business. All I knew was to, you do the work and you show the people that are working with you how to do it. Yep. You and, had you know, the balls to start something new and to try something. You know, it was a, uh, Back then, I think it did start as balls. I was a teenager. I At 18, I had um, three kids already. Wow. But I already knew that I just, I couldn't work for other people. Right. You know, I just had too much ambition. I wanted to do, I wanted to do things my way. And I had some great bosses. I had some great people I worked with, but I knew at an early age, I didn't want to put my livelihood in somebody else's hands. Right. You, you, yeah, you want to be your own boss. And it says, I always tell people like, if you're, um, super busy at work, you're, you're busy making somebody else's dream come true. Yep. You know what I mean? That's true. And, and I'm an employee of a big company, it, to, not a big company, a small company to be honest, but, um, I, I'm leadership. I'm like high level in the company. So I don't feel that way, but I do feel that if, you know, it, it's an old adage, man. It's it's a really good one that says that, hey, if you're busy working for somebody else, you're busy making somebody else's dream come true. And you're teaching these kids that there's an avenue, there's a way to make your dream come true. Correct. And the way I see Javi is the way I worked with confidence 
is that I had built uh, a reputation, I would say, that I could go back to any job I ever had. Right. Because I worked like I owned the business. Right. And they knew when the, if they hired me that I was going to take care of their businesses. As a small business owner, you love employees like that. Right. And so I always kind of, well, what's the worst that could happen? Right. Well, I have to go back to a job. Those are there waiting for me. Yep. Can always find a job. You right? can always find a job. Yep. That's true. Well, there's some, I hate to say, but there's some bum ass lazy people out there who don't even want to work, but you can always find a job if you need to. Right. Always. So, um, let's talk a little bit. So, so I met you through personally through my friend, Robert, right. Who was on yeah. the podcast previously. Right. Um, and he's like, hey, you gotta, you gotta get this guy in your podcast, man. He's a good dude. And oh, nice. And Thank so, you, Robert. Yeah. Robert's a good dude, man. Love that guy. He's like a brother to me, but, um, so I had already saw you through a friend's Instagram and then Robert had mentioned you. I'm like, yeah, I want to get this guy on. Right. And, and so then you and I, you came over, we started talking or whatever. And I wanted to hear kind of your story, your personal story, like, like your background. You know what I mean? Tell me a little bit about uh, your life growing up, Santa Barbara, that kind of stuff. Let's, you know, let's dig into that a little bit. Cause I think it's important for people to understand that like uh, no matter where you start, it's where you finish. Yeah. You know? So um, my dad didn't never knew his dad. His mom, he was raised by a single mom. She came from L.A., I believe, and settled in Santa Barbara. On my mom's side, my grandparents, they came from Mex. And my, um, my grandfather was a hustler. He was a chef all his life and saved his money and, and always worked. And he bought a house on the Mesa. And I think back in the 40s or something. Uh, a house we would not you, be able to <laughs> if you guys don't know what the mesa the mesa Santa Barbara was a pretty nice spot yeah it man. is we were pretty fortunate growing up yeah and so uh my dad he worked and my mom stayed home but my mom always had her side hustles usually it was babysitting so all the cousins would be over there all uh, myself my brother and sisters and then the kids that she would babysit and so i didn't i didn't really know that what she was doing was entrepreneurial i just thought that was something she was doing right. and what I knew was my dad was working. So I, I never, I didn't come from an entrepreneurial background that, that I knew at the time. Um, so my mom was a disciplinary one. She's the one who stayed home with the kids, took us to the park, fed us. And when we got out of hand, let us know that it wasn't, that it wasn't going to be all right. You know? Right. And my, my dad worked and came home and got to spend like the quality time, the wrestling around the plane, uh, going to the football games, practices. He, he was all the that. fun parent. He was, he got to be the fun one. Yeah. Right. And, um, so I had, I had a wow, wow balance. The only thing I would say is that my mom was so overprotective of us. Like she would have, she wasn't necessarily like had us in bubble wrap. Like we for fun would be said, Hey, here's the gloves. You guys go in the yard and this is how you fight, Talks right? Up, yeah. She was teaching us how to do UFC, a uh, ground and pound. And back then we're like, we can't fight like that, mom. What is, <laughs> you know, but now, now it's the, that's the way it goes. Yeah. But what she, what, what happened, Javier was in elementary school, I was never allowed to spend the night at any friend's house. And I was hard. I was the only reason why I was able to go to one friend's house is because he lived around the corner and I had known him for a couple of years. So I kind of earned the right to go to the house. Right? right. But if he had other kids over and they were like, let's go roam the neighborhood or let's, uh, let's go to this other person's house. I had to get picked up. Gotcha. And so you miss out on so much like that. Right. Yeah. But I'm, I didn't know any different. And so I would say I kind of grew up sheltered from the outside world. So when I went to junior high, 
that's like getting thrown into a shark tank. And if yeah. you ain't ready, then you're going to get eaten up. Yeah. And uh, I got eaten up. You know, I was so, I was so such an introvert and didn't know how to socialize with other people, nor like, how do I stand up for myself too? Yeah. You know, like I was, I was taught how to fight, but confrontation scared the hell out of me. Yeah. And it was more of a, like, I felt like I was alone. Right. And so, you know, I went through junior high getting picked on and bullied on and uh, didn't didn't have any friends. And even if I were to able to make any friends, I sure as hell wasn't able to go be able to go out with them. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so um, I had played sports all my life. They played a big role. Baseball. You know, I started off in T-ball and then uh, mixed in some basketball and then got into football heavy at eight years old, YFL. And I did that all the way through high school. And in I went to Santa Barbara High. Yep. Don's, what's Don's, up? Yep, there. Uh, I had I was fortunate enough to have Coach Lethal in probably one of his last years. We talked Lethal about Garcia, him yeah, to be yeah. to be a coach. So that that was a, an awesome experience. And but also the reality check was too was that in high school you're not guaranteed twelve plays like YFL. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, boy. You know? So I was like a, a hundred, same height, five eleven, but back then I was one hundred forty five pounds. Yeah. So I wasn't, when you looked at me, you're like, uh, let's see what else we got. Right. Uh, fortunately enough, my first game, I didn't play a single down. So right. I was all, oh, this is going to be a long season. I, I was in yeah. the same boat, bro. I know. But, but we learned how to be humble. Yeah, definitely. And uh, the second game, uh, the cornerback was, our, our cornerback just wasn't handling business. They put me in. And, uh, you know, fortunately enough, I had a good game and I started the rest of the season. But without those social skills, I never clicked with anybody on the game. They'd be talking about what they're going to go do after the game, who they're going to go party with. Right. And that was a big no-no. Like, don't even ask. That's a no. You can't do it. Right. And uh, I really didn't understand at the time, nor even try to rebel against it, but it was really building up in me, you know, and I didn't know. And so after that season ended, I made up my mind. It's like, I don't want to do that anymore. You know, getting into 14 years old, you're, you're growing and you're getting new thoughts and emotions that you didn't, you, you weren't used to. And so I wanted to desperately find something new. I wish I would have known about martial arts, wrestling, something like that, but I didn't, it just wasn't on my radar and they didn't promote it at school. So the only thing I knew was sports. And since I was tired of the three that I did, I said, I'm gonna go try uh, golf. Cause my Stanley, uh, my dad took us golfing one time. Yeah. And what was great about that, even though it was out of the blue, it opened up our world a little bit. And so I, I went to the golf coach and he took one look at me and said, oh, um, seat's taken. You know, there's, not, <laughs> not, there's nothing here for you, son. And uh, why do you think he did that, though? Do you think it's I think because, you know, the the way I looked just baggy clothes and dressing. Who's this cholo trying to play golf? Exactly. Like, yeah. what is he going to do? He's probably never picked up a golf club, you know? Or, <laughs> like, or well, he's I'm gonna... wearing a Ben Davis. Let me play some golf. <laughs> exactly. I was probably in my creased up solos or something. And uh, so he kind of sent me on my way. He didn't, he didn't say, come try out. He didn't say, you know what? How about um, we don't have room on the team, but go try these different things. So I kind of left that lost right. and decided like, Man, I don't have any friends. I, 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 I'm not in the jock crowd. Um, back at, back at La Cumbra, you know, it was filled with all the, uh, the West Siders over there. So I really thought like, I, 
the the dudes that were cholos i mean i don't really get along with them either and so i had a couple older cousins from the from the east side yeah and at an early age you know they took me around introduced me to some of the the older homies so i said oh well that's one avenue i haven't tried yet you know so i said uh, i hooked up with a couple couple dudes that lived on the east side and said just asked them that we kind of knew each other said can i roll with you after school and so i started walking with them after school and just instead of going to like walking to go to my dad's work and wait Damn, to get that's he how was it all off. starts on huh? just the walk after school that's exactly that's how really it started how, now i think about it, that's how it all starts man that's exactly how it started yeah. and then i got a little taste of that hobby <laughs> and i got accepted you know one thing about but with kicking it with the homies like they don't have a high criteria of what it takes to hang out right you know that's uh, they kind of well the criteria is you're in my neighborhood and i know who you are correct you know, you know if you had that card yeah. then you were cool to kick it yeah, but yeah. but i didn't have to be a scholar i didn't sure. have to be a jock sure you know yeah i just needed to be able to uh drink and smoke and i was good at that yeah you know yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh and it was really at that time too, I was, st- I went there hanging out kind of like the fly on the wall. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and once I got a little taste of it, you know, everything that I grew up learning at home, how to fight and, and how to be a leader. I was always told, be a leader. Don't be a follower. Right. And since I was such an introvert and quiet, you know, you pay attention more. You, you pay attention to your surroundings. You listen to what people are saying and you can learn to read people. And so, uh, there was this one time where the group of the kids that I was hanging out with, they had a problem with, with the guy in their apartment complex. And they're like, man, they're talking so much crap about him and they wanted to jump him. Yeah. yeah. And I said, mom, this is probably my time to, to shine, you know? <laughs> so I raised my hand and I said, you know what? Call them out. I'll start it off. And then you guys jump in after. I'd never been in a fight my whole life like i said in the cumbra kids would punch me in my chest shove me push me i would never do anything right and at that point i was so tired of feeling like a chump a pussy just like you wanted to fucking lash out i i felt that at that point i was like i there's nothing that could hurt me physically more than what i'm feeling emotionally right and so i just i didn't know what was going to happen but i know i wanted to do it and when i did that it just unlocked a lot of things that I already had in me, like fighting. Oh, it was actually fun. It's almost natural. So that's one thing I, I always tell people. Uh, people don't know, but like when, when I got into a lot of trouble when I was young, a lot of it was fighting, man. Mm. But it's it's like an innate, natural thing. And, and like like you said, though, it unlocks something in you because I was picked on a lot when I was young, man. A lot, like a lot. I was picked on later in the years of my life. People thought they could pick on me, mm-hmm. but there's something that inside you is like an animal innate nature where it's like, fuck that. I'm going to fucking fight back. And I think that's kind of what you were experiencing. You know it, I mean? it was exactly all those years learning how to fight and it being a game to fight. Yeah. It's a whole different mindset when you're fighting and you're having fun doing it and you want to keep going and you get the sense of fear in the yeah. person's eyes. Yeah. That's a, that's an ego boost like no other. And so from there, I was like, oh, this is what I'm going to do. And then that's where it kind of went, started going downhill for me as far as getting in trouble. I started not listening to anything my parents would uh, try to set for me, guidelines, boundaries. I said, look, I'm, I'm kicking it. (laughs) And, and that was it. And it it was a, 
that was a couple few, that was a few years of being arrested, getting took into the county, uh, getting took into the police department, you know, getting took into the hall and just uh, putting my parents through a, a very rough time. Yeah. And so, so you had, you had a rough childhood kind of, well, you, your childhood became rough during the period of time. I, right? I made it voluntarily rough on yeah, myself. Yeah. yeah. You came from a good family, basically. Which, yeah. which is important to know because a lot of people, a lot of parents are really hard on themselves because they're like, um, it's one thing I always tell people too when I talk to them because a lot of people come to me for like uh, parent advice. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I, I'm definitely not the person to give that, but I, I would try my best, right? And one thing I do know is that a lot of people are really, parents are really hard on themselves. Like, I did the best to raise my kid. Dude, my parents, my mom did the best to raise me. I made a lot of really bad decisions. Like, she gave me the keys to life. Like, she taught me so much. I'm here today doing what I'm doing in my life and being successful in my life because of her, in my opinion. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it took, it was a rough road to get you gotta here. got to get through that rough patch, It was you know? a rough to yeah. get, it was a rough road to get here because I did come from a broken home and a bunch of other things, you know what I mean? But um, parents are really hard on themselves. And I find a lot of women are really hard on themselves. And I'm like, dude, don't, don't be hard on yourself. Like, like kids, you can build the best foundation for a kid. And that should be your ultimate goal in life is our reflection on this earth. And I've said this before, our reflection on this earth is our children. Mm-hmm. So when I'm gone, my reflection on this earth is my son. And I want that to be a good reflection. You know what I mean? 100%. However, you can build the best foundation for some kids and kids are going to make their own decisions. Always. You know what I mean? And that's a part of human nature, right? When we become teenagers, it's the parents can be the best, but you know what? As a teen, it's part of that time of your life where you need to rebel because you need to be able to show yourself that I, I can't rely on these people anymore. And it's not consciously, of course, but that's how, that's how we're built. And so you, it, it manifests in different ways and, in, in, in um, rebellion, if it's not like the energy isn't put in a good, um, outlet, right. it will come out in a bad outlet. Right. And that's why martial arts is such an important thing of our program, because like I said, I, I kind of got addicted to the, to the ego boost and the fame of fighting and, yeah. and, and creating a name for myself. Imagine if I could have done that in a uh, boxing or, you know, jujitsu right. Right. back then, that would have been much healthier than the road that I, that I went down of. Cause right. one bad night with, the, with my luck was on the bad side instead of the good, I could be in prison right now. 100%. I could be dead now. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing too. And, and uh, I like that you said that because I, I've said it before and I'm gonna say it again, man. I really do feel that if it wasn't for all the ass whoopings I got in life by my mom, like my mom, fucking put some ass whoopings on me. You know what I mean? And I deserved every one of them. And at the time I was angry and upset about them, but I look back now and I think, man, if it wasn't for those things, if it wasn't for her doing that to me, like, you know, just smack me in the mouth when I would cuss or be disrespectful or be like, Hey, you're not going to say X, Y, or Z. Cause those are bad words. Shut up. You know what I mean? It wasn't for her being really hard on me. And, 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 and some ass, and a lot of ass whoopings, not yeah. some, but a lot of ass whoopings. I think I would really have fallen into a category of, either being dead or in prison, like a lot of my friends I grew up with, you know what I mean? And that's, um, that with luck, I got lucky. So it's not just that because I think a lot of my friends who aren't here today, uh, whether they're dead or they're in jail, it's not because their parents didn't love them. It's not because their parents didn't do right by them. I think me, it was a combination of being, of having my mom (laughs) being the shit out of me when she needed to. Like, I, I can't tell you how many times I got my mouth washed out with soap. 
Yeah, and, and she's like, "Cabron, you want to talk like that?" And she literally grabbed a piece of jabon and washed her mouth out. What's up? You're all right. Cool. Yeah. You want to talk like that? Here's some chili in your mouth. Like, if it wasn't for those things, I probably would have went really overboard with life, you know, because I was fucking wild, man. Yeah, and even with those things, like you said, you still were playing Russian roulette. Oof, yeah. But with those things, it's like uh, you know, if there's a revolver and there's five bullets in it. Well, instead of playing Russian roulette with four bullets, having those things takes out some of the bullets. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so um, I think discipline to each their own on how they want to go. But I do see a lot of parents when when that those teen years hit, they're kind of like my kids out of control. I don't know what to do. I failed as a parent. Um, I kind of give up. And it's like, don't give up. You just, right. you just gotta, you gotta work through it, man. You gotta work yeah. through it. They'll, they'll appreciate you on the other end, yep. but, but it is going to be work that you have to, to go put in. Ra- raising a teenager is no fucking joke, man. Not at all. It, 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 it ain't a, a job for the weary. And you know, and that's one thing I also said before on the podcast, just the last one is like, if you're not up for the task, it's okay to say I'm not, but just make sure that somebody's there for your kid who is, because it's, it's important this is another topic too, is that like, and I've talked about this a lot too. And I, I want to drill into people's heads that like, it's okay to be a single parent. It totally is. It's, it, we can do it today, but in my opinion, it's not the most optimal thing. And, and, and the way I can explain it is when I was a kid, um, going through tough years as a teenage, as a young 12, 13 year old kid, I latched on to a lot of the wrong people. I probably should have latched on to because they were familiar to me. Um, I look back now, and I still have friends from childhood and I look back and I think, God, none of us had a father in the home, mm-hmm. you know, uh, or if we did, it was an abusive situation or uh, we all came from a really uh, uh, volatile household. Like most of my friends, actually every one of my friends I grew up with came from a broken home. And out of all those friends that I hung out with, like we were all wild nut jobs and we were like latchkey kids. And, and, and again, you can totally raise kids alone, men and women. It's fucking 2021. We all have good jobs and you, most people have jobs that can sustain them and their kids and that's okay. But I really feel that like a two parent system is really important because I believe there's a yin and a yang to raising kids, especially, especially and only when it comes to kids. Yeah, mm-hmm. I see that as well, especially let's just say it's all like good and, and you, you have a, a good time and it's not an abusive uh, relationship where it's just like the one parent and the kid. Like me, I'm a single parent of three girls and one boy. All right. You guys so, heard that? A single father my, of three girls and one boy. My, my oldest is 21. She just gave me a grandbaby. Oh, you're a grandpa. Yeah, I'm a grandpa. Oh, dude, bro, you're yeah. younger than you're a grandpa. You guys, man. Yeah, I, you know she waited longer than I than I did to make my parents that's grandparents. True. So yeah. that's cool. Um, we're we're happy. And my youngest is 16. So me being a dad, like I, I'm pretty confident in knowing how to uh, feel comfortable being a man. Like yeah. I have no doubt about that. But for the girls, that's not necessarily the best, right? right? They should be, they should have a lot of feminine energy around them. And, uh, you know, now that I'm older, I've done a lot of study. I mean, I'm, I love studying humans. So I'm a little bit, um, I would say a little bit more knowledgeable on what the feminine needs are now. But I, I didn't know that at, you know, 18, right. 19, 21. 
And I just, I knew what it was to, okay, you got to be tough. You know, what I was taught, don't show emotions and, you know, just, just keep going, get up. Right. And which are, which are great things. But like you said, without that balance, it, there's some long-term effects, yep. you know, that, that need some remedying as, as they get older. Yep. That's why I always tell people, like I, I made the wrong decision. And I always tell, I say this to a lot of women out there on purpose that a lot of, I, when I see a lot of women as being like, I can do it on my own. I'm like, yeah, that's good. But you know what though? It's not the most optimal situation for your kid. Even if they have, a, even, even in a step parent situation, like, like I was raised by a stepfather. I was lucky enough to have a stepfather come into my life shortly after my, my mom divorced my father, who is an amazing man. Like literally an amazing man. Like I can say, um, uh, he has never turned his back on me. Man, that's awesome. Even my own mom was like, hey, let that little fucker learn. You know what I mean? <laughs> but my stepfather's like, nah, I got him. I'll give you the story, man. There was one time when, uh, like I said, I grew up on Mercedes Lane on the west side of Santa Barbara, like like for a few years while I was out there. I grew up, I went to school on the east side, uh, hung out with all the east siders, and the east siders, well, they always had my back. They were amazing fucking homies from the hood, right? But on the west side of Santa Barbara is where I lived. But my cousins and my family were from that neighborhood, right? So there was one time when I was hanging out with my cousin and we were at this park, Mesa, the Overlook Park out there, mm-hmm. Outlook Park, the one on the hill there, you can see all yeah. Santa Barbara. So we were hanging out there and I think I was like, man, I don't know, fucking 14, 15, maybe, maybe a little bit younger. And uh, we're hanging out at the park and we're, you know, we're drinking 40s and beers or whatever, kids, you know, being kids, being dumb kids and um, the cops show up and they chase all of us or whatever. And uh, people are falling down the mountain because it's on a mountain, it's on a hill, yeah. you know. And of course, they snatch my fat ass and my cousin up, and they, you know, they push them back in the cop car, they handcuff us. And we're kids, we're, we're minors, right? So they take us to the police station. And they're like, that night before I went out, my mom was like, All right, you want to go out? Go ahead and go out. But if you get in trouble, don't fucking call me. That's what my mom told me because my mom was that kind of mom, yep. you know what I mean? All right, cool, go ahead, go. But don't call me if you get in trouble. So we had kind of arrested for curfew, and we ended up at the Sarawak <laughs> Police Department. And on the drive there, the cop was like talk, trying to talk to us, you know, like trying to be like, not not from a educational or let me help these kids grow perspective, but like a fuck these kids perspective. Oh, gotcha. He was kind of being a dick, you know. And I said, I said, officer, I'm going to be honest with you, you know. And he's like, what's up? I was like, you're going to call my mom. Or you're just going to piss her off for waking her up. He goes, oh, you think you're fucking funny, huh? I said, no, I'm just being honest with you. I know my mom. My mom's she's she ain't going to give a fuck because she's going to tell you to let me figure it out. And he's like, nah, whatever, we'll see. And so uh, he call, he called my my Nino, who was my cousin's dad first. Rest in peace, man. My Nino, I love him, Kano. And um, my Nino's like, oh yeah, I'll be right there. Pinche cabrón, whatever. So my Nino shows up. He calls my house. Remember, there's no cell phones back then. No. Fucking, he wakes somebody up on a house phone, a dial rotary on the fucking wall, you know. And he goes, uh. Yeah, I got your son here, blah, blah, blah. My mom goes, God damn it, I fucking told him. I can hear my mom screaming. Blah, 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 blah. Screaming. And I look at him, I said, I told you. He's like, he's looking at me, pointing like, you fucking piece of shit, kid. I was like, I fucking told you. And 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 I remember um, my mom was so fucking upset. Leave him fucking, then I don't care, I'll pick up on Monday. And it's like a Friday night, right? Yeah. My stepdad, who was new in my life, he goes, no, 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 in Spanish, because he didn't know English well that yet. Oh, no, no, you're not going to leave him there. I'll go get him. And so he gets in the car, fucking, I don't even know what hour of the morning it was, and he comes and picks me up. And again, that's an example of a man. He didn't fucking, his, our DNA ain't the same. Yep. But he was a man teaching me, it was like a man to get your ass up and go get your fucking kid and be like, hey, bro, 
Like you fucked up. And on the way home, it was awkward because we had just barely met each other not that long before that. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I realized like, oh, this is a real one. Like even my own mom was like, fuck me, but this is a real one right here. You know what I mean? And I guess what I'm saying is a long way to say that like there's a yin and a yang in relationships that matter. You know what I mean? So when you're not your best, they're going to help you be your best. When you're your worst, they're going to help you pick you out, pick you up out of that place. And it's really important when it comes to kids. And I think we're really forgetting that today. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you said that, that if you had that partner, it allows you so much more time to do that recharging. Like you said, you could send, you could send stepdad to do it, or you could send dad to do it or mom. But to have that partner, I agree. Yeah. It's, it's so important, man. We were just, we're forgetting about that today. And I always tell people, you can do it alone. Of course you can, man. But it's not the most optimal situation, especially when it comes to kids. So to me, in me, in my mind, in my life, I've always thought that kids are everything. Right? They're the next thing. They're a reflection on this world. They're, they're everything. I mean, what, what, what's more important than the kids? You're right. You know what I mean? Young, though, I don't, I didn't think that. I didn't think, like, I want to have kids <clears throat> because... I want them, I want to start my legacy now, you know, I just wasn't being safe enough and, and then just started having them at a young, young age, you know, you were knocking them out, bro. I was knocking them out. I like to get started early. Four. Yeah. Four. That's crazy. So you had four by the time of what age? By the time I was 21. Four by 21. Yeah. Holy shit. So at 17, I had my, my son, but my baby's mama had a two year old. And so when I had my son, I told her, oh, Marina, she's going to be my daughter now. And so Marina came from kind of like a wild child, only child, whatever she want goes. And that's not how my household was ran. Gotcha. So I had to break that, that little wild stallion, you know, and uh, it took time, but I, but it's just a switch. Like this is my family instantly. Right. And, um, and I can see like, as you're as, like, when you look what you said, what you're about your stepfather, I know where he comes from. Yeah. Cause that's like, that's my family might not be my biological or my blood, right. but that's, you don't need that to be family. It don't take DNA. Correct. Yeah. It takes love. Yep. And I, I think, I think you love kids, man. That's why you do what you do. Right. I do love kids. <clears throat> I, I do love kids and, and, uh, it allows me to keep me young as well. Yeah. You know, I, to be around that youthful energy, how can you not have, have a smile on your face when you see just nothing but joy? Like at, especially the younger kids, they haven't, you know, really experienced what the world has, you know, has all the ugly that the world has to offer. Yeah. And so all they know is the beauty in the world um, for, for the most part, I should say. Um, and to be around that does great for me. But it also gives me a chance to be around my kids. Like my two youngest daughters are some of the head coaches. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. And cool. it's the way I really wanted to structure the program, right? Because even though I care for kids, I love kids. The older they get, it's like you need different levels. Like just like in a company, right? You need different levels of management. Yeah. They're going to look at me. And when I tell them something, they may listen to some things. But to them, I'm an adult. If they, if if a teenager tells a little kid to do something and they're doing it with them, teenagers are like gods to little kids. Yeah. Those are your idols, right? 
So there's things that my daughters will do. And then we have other um, older kids that come and teach the younger crews that can get a, a lot further with the kids than I ever could. And so that was important for me to structure the program like that as, as we're not, we're not like a come in and you're one and done. It's like when you join solid, you become a crew member and you're there. If you start at five, you're there till you're a teen, That's you know, good. and everything you learned, how can you not want to come back and teach? So you're teaching them to be leaders pretty much to, to, to how to come back that, and teach. Like I said, that's the family values <clears throat> and everything we do. Yeah. See, that's crazy because uh, a lot of that, like I, my son, so he wasn't, uh, when he was young, he went to martial arts. He was in Taekwondo for a long time. And he, uh, you know, you got to go through the belt system. And yeah. today it's kind of a little silly, but you know, he got his black belt pretty quickly. And then he worked on a second black belt and then he was over it. You know what I mean? He was over it. Uh, he would just wasn't into it. And I was like, dude, when he got his first black belt, I had to kind of push him a bit. I'm like, I was like, Papa, if you don't do this, like you're going to be really bummed out that you didn't do it. Cause you got here. Like you're here already. You just got to go test for yep. it. He's like, ah, whatever. He wasn't into it. I said, dude, if you test, I promise you, you won't regret it. Just go do it. You can do it. And I pushed him just a little bit and he went and it. He went and did it. And then the day after he's like, dad, thanks for pushing me. Yeah. And I was, I was like, I was like, dude, I know. I was like, dude, I knew you didn't want to do it because it was scary to you for whatever reason. And you were young. He's again like 10 or 11 years old. I was like, you were young, but how good do you feel now? He's like, Oh man, I feel so fucking good, dad. Thank you, man. Thank you for pushing me. Right. You know? And as a parent, it's, it's hard to find that threshold. Like how hard yeah. do you push him or how do you, or should I hold back? Am I pushing him too hard? But in the end, we all need to struggle, not just kids. Right. If you, if you ever hear like an adult who's in a rut, it's because they haven't grown in a long time. That's absolutely true, man. That's absolutely true. The, yeah, they, they, they haven't experienced a challenge in a long time. They get stuck in sort of a... a the same old routine. Yeah, routine. And yeah. so it, it's, it's extremely important. And the more you can set up healthy struggles, like I like to call them high quality problems, yep. then you'll have less time for the low quality problems. That's an important thing, man. Yeah, these kids are missing a lot. I feel like our kids are just missing sort of challenges, to be honest. Like, I feel like it's just been so easy to exist and eat a cheeseburger and be on your Xbox and your PS5. And fuck, I'm guilty, too. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like I feel like it's just so easy just to exist that they just don't have challenges. Like, me as a kid, I look at all the things I went through. And I've been kind of really thinking about this a lot. Like, all the crazy shit I had done and went through at the time my son, that was my son's age. Like, he's not experienced any of that. Like, he's experienced a lot of other things that were challenging uh, that have made him evolve into a certain good human being. But there's a lot of things I was like, oh, I wish he would experience that too. You know what I mean? Like, I look back, I'm like, by the time I was his age, I was living on my own already. I was mm -hmm. already out living on my own at like 17 years old. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? And like, now he's about to be 18. I'm like, I'm like, and I've been, I've been doing, I've been dropping little bombs here with him, him, uh, with him here and there lately. Like the other day, um, my cousin, my second cousin, who's my mom's cousin, is a Mexican uncle. Uh, he posted a picture of his dad in World War II. And he posted a picture of him like on D-Day in France. And like, you know, like you look back at that generation, it was the last great generation, right? The last right. generation that really suffered and went through some shit and had to give back, you know? And it's my uncle. And, and I remember growing up with my uncle. It was my mom's uncle, but my grandma's brother. And I look back going, holy shit, man. I look back at those pictures, how young he was. And he's in fucking France. And I realized, oh, shit, he's my son's age. Mm -hmm. 
And so my son was eating dinner one day, and I said, hey, let me show you something. He goes, what's up? I pulled his picture. I said, that's your Uncle Joe. That's your Uncle Joe. That's your Uncle Joe. This is him in France. This is him on D-Day. And I go, guess how old he was? And he looks at me and he goes, he was my age. I said, yeah. And I think something clicked in his head like, oh, shit. Because I think um, there's there's this concept of like a rite of passage that people put their kids through. You know what I mean? And I think we're really lacking that in America today is the rite of passage. And the rite of passage means some fucking suffering. Right. You know? Right. Like, and it's like, uh, of course, you want to protect your kids. But I, I think a lot of us uh, as parents, we lose sight of the big picture. You're thinking of protecting them in the moment. Like you're thinking about protecting them in your house. Right. You're not thinking about, well, let me give him the tools so he can protect right. himself when he's away. Yep. You know, especially from our culture, like, you're Mexican, like you could live at home forever, forever. And then the house, the house just gets, you know, uh, given to you. Like when I had my kids at 18, um, I was in construction. And so I tried moving out to Lompoc for a little bit. It didn't work out. So I came back and I said, you know what, I'm gonna just build my own house in the back. There's, there's a big yard out there. Right. I know how to build that. That's what, that's what we do. Right. So, and then I started building our, our own house. And so the long-term plan was, we have land, we'll build on it and, and you know, we'll raise our family. Right. And, um, so when it comes to pushing your kids to struggle, yes, I think that is needed more and, and it may be uncomfortable as a parent, but there's so much more of a consequence if you don't, Yeah, it's needed. It's 100% needed. And, uh, if you can, if you can find the right program, great. If you can't keep looking. Yeah, that's the thing. And, but even in sports today, like even in sports, we've kind of uh, softened even in sports. Like me and Robert talked, Robert Gutierrez in the last podcast, uh, two podcasts ago that I had with him. We talked about how like our coaches were fucking hard on us, man. They were, they were, those coaches were raising men. Those coaches were part of the, the village or the neighborhood it takes to it requires to raise a child, but they were raising fucking men. Mm-hmm. Like, Coach Warwrecker, who was the coach before you had Lito, um, coach, we called him Coach Worker, but his name was spelled Warwrecker. Uh-huh. Like, I'm a Warwrecker. Well, the fucking guy, he was, he was a man amongst men. You know what I mean? His children were men amongst men. But the most humble people you've ever met. But also, they took no shit when it come to raising men. You know what I mean? And so... He would walk up to you and he would take his how he would take his whistle. I think he got in trouble for this like years later on. He would take his metal whistle and if you weren't listening, he would fucking smack it against your helmet. Which if you've never played football, if you have a helmet on and you smack a metal thing against it, it fucking rings in your ear. Yep. Like, yeah, like what the fuck yeah. was that? You know what I mean? And he would like, hey, listen, you stupid ass. And he would yell at you, you dumb piece of shit, listen. And but he was making men. So everybody I know that was part of and by the way, he Went on for like, he went, fuck, it's going to suck to say this, but he went on 48 and 0, like five years straight. Yeah, I remember of, you guys undefeated. saying, talking and, on that last podcast. And we podcast. fucking lost the, the 49th <laughs> game, you know what I mean? And, and, and even then he was hard on us. Even then he sat down and said, look, assholes, like. Yeah, I wasn't trying to butter you up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys did fucking great this entire season, but you fucking lost today. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, we fixed this shit, and we're gonna win the last game. And that was his thing. Like he was raising men, and and we are, and it's not just about men; it's about women too. We're, 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 we forgot what it takes to raise children. Yeah, whether the boys to, or girls. Yeah, to you raising adults, right? You're raising adults, and yes. I and I would ask 
did he build that rapport with you before? Like he built you up before he even attempted to try to not even tear you down, but discipline you, I would say. I think he would tear you down and then build you up. Uh-huh. So for him, he would he would fucking destroy us and destroy us. But he did both. But he did both. Yeah. Yeah. He would break you down and build you up for sure. Yeah. He was a Marine. Oh, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure he was a Marine. Uh, he, he he was, if it wasn't a Marine, he was, no, I'm pretty sure he was a Marine. He was I a military mean, man. He was a military yeah. man. But, but, I mean, he knew what it was like to raise fucking men. And you look at his kids, his kids, I mean, these guys were like six foot three, six foot four. Like, they were all fucking like, you know, Greek God bodies. Mm-hmm. And they were just, they were athletes. You know what I mean? They were, they were men amongst men is the way I would say it. And I, I think that we've gotten to the point where we've been so soft on kids. We bubble wrap kids that, you know, even, even if, uh, for example, like, even if you have like a soccer game on a Sunday, right? Like, there's a bunch of parents that are talking shit to like the coach. Why don't you put my little mm-hmm. junior in? Like, why don't you fucking coach then? You know what I mean? Why don't you fucking coach? The coach is doing what he's supposed to be doing to help these kids. What are you doing? Yeah. You're selling the or, side or why crying. don't you practice with your child more yeah. to get him better so he earns his spot? 100%. Yeah. Exactly. P- perfectly. Perfect, perfect example. Like, why are you over here yelling on the sideline? But how much have you actually done to help your kid out with this sport? Like, what have you actually done? Yeah. You know? and, and, you know, the that's why... At Solid, it was, like I said, I'm, I'm used to starting my own things, but there's a reason behind it. And one of the things that, as a nonprofit, why it was so important for us to be an individual standalone unit was because I don't like how politically correct, like, the school system is. And, like, yeah. there's some great <clears throat> teachers, but they're not allowed to do the work that they're uh, capable of because they got to follow guidelines. Yes. You know, so I don't want any of that. And I'll turn down any money that comes, any opportunities that say, okay, well, let come under our fold and and you got to follow these guidelines. Like, no, 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 no. Bless your heart, man, you know? for that. Bless well, your heart. Well, Javi, the way it is, is like nobody's doing what we're doing. So why am I going to take something that nobody's doing before and put it in somebody else's hands? Like, right. I got to ride this out, see where it goes. You know, and I give all the credit in the world to our parents at Solid because they know we're full contact over there. Yeah. You know, whether we're playing like a, Sharks and minnows. I'm not sure if you know, but if the guests know, it's where one kid stands in the middle. The other 20 kids stand on the other side of the yard and they got to run past the kid. The kid in the middle has to tackle somebody. And then whoever he tackles stays in the middle. And you keep going till there's only one person running back and forth. Right? That's bad. Boys and girls in the same thing. Um, You know, tackle the person with the football. Dodgeball. See, that's so fucking badass, man. Well, it's... I even tell the kids and I tell the parents, your kids are going to cry when they come here, but it's a part of it. When they cry, we give them a hug. You feel okay. When you're ready, let's get back in there. We need to find, um, man, this is badass, bro. I'm glad you and I got connected. We need to find a way to get you funded to make this bigger because this is what society needs more of today. This Uh, is literally what society needs. In YFL, we had, you play YFL, right? Yeah. We had bull in the ring. Yeah, we had uh, other yeah. other things like British that. British right? bulldog, yeah, it, it, the same yeah. shit, right? Bull in the ring was like there was one guy with pads in the middle, and we had shotgun too. There was two. Bull the ring was there was a ring of 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 YFL players around you, and one kid in the middle, and they would call it. Everyone had a number. Yep. Forty four and forty four has run to hit him. Thirty three, three has come to hit him, and the coaches would call out the number behind you that you couldn't see on purpose, so you had to turn around and fucking guard yourself, right? They stopped that because that was dangerous. Mm-hmm. Then we had shotgun, which literally was a line of the entire team, and one person that had to hit every person like a shotgun. One, two, boom, three. Boom, they would boom, hit boom, boom, yep. boom, 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 boom. Right? They stopped that. But those things made men. Those yeah. things made men because 
you realize very quickly you humbled your fucking self. You could be the best player on that team, but if you were in the middle of that ring and they called out number three behind you who was the slowest fucking fast player in the ring, he's still going to hit you and he's going to hit you good because you're not seeing him. He's coming from behind you. You know what I mean? Yep. Like that taught everybody what it was like to deal with uh, suffrage, pain, uh, challenges, those things, man. Your program, and this is, I, I'm, I'm excited we're mm. talking, man, because I'm learning more about the program. I don't even yeah, know yeah. so much before today. Um, just from like following you and that kind of stuff. But we need to get funding for programs like this to teach kids and to teach parents more of the parents than the fucking kids. Yeah. It's okay for your kid to suck at some stuff. It's okay for your kid to deal with challenges and it's okay for your kid to deal with pain. And it's not okay to get an eighth place trophy. Exactly. Like when you lose, you lost. Yeah, exactly. Go get better. Exactly. Not, Oh, it's okay. Here's a trophy for participating. Right. Because you're setting them up for failure in the long run. That's not how life works. It's not. It's nature. We're, we're trying to, society's been trying to combat nature for whatever reason. That's fuck. That's not how nature works, man. Yep. You have to work and you have to be tough to succeed. And tough doesn't mean physical bruteness. It means being able to overcome challenges. Correct. And stand it, on your two feet. Just, just what you said right there. I, I want to dive into a little bit more because it's so important is mindset. I could teach these kids how to be tough. Cool. You could fight. You could protect people. Nice. I could teach them to be fit. They could have the best body. They love looking at themselves in the mirror. They're confident to go get a partner. They could earn themselves a living, right? But what about when somebody tougher comes along, more experience, and whoops their ass? What about somebody looks better than them and gets their girl or vice versa? What about if they get fired from the job or they lose their business? The only thing that's going to protect them is their mind. Yep. You got to build that mind to be strong. And when you do that, some special things could happen. Yeah. You're right. The mind is everything, man. The mind is everything. The mind is everything. That's why you, you can put somebody in jail for 30 years, but you can never jail their mind if they're strong. It's up to them. Yeah. It's up to them. It's up to them to think. And before I go, I mean, that's, that's my biggest thing that I want to do for my kids is just build their mindset. To me, Javi, I feel I'm, I'm indestructible. Like, yeah. you put me in solitary confinement, I'll be cool. You'll be all right. I'll be all right. Yeah. You know, I do those mind exercises. I, put, I, I think about all the bad things that happen. I think about all the good things that happen. You know, like I said, I live in gratitude, but I know there's some ugly things on this earth. Oof. But that motivates me to do good, right? Right. You can't, you know, you, like they say, like darkness isn't going to get rid of darkness. You need light to do that. Martin Luther King said that darkness can never drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Exactly. Martin Luther King quote. And, yeah. and, and it's like these youngsters, if they have good leaders to show them, look, you're not, you're not a weenie because you want to do good. You're not a weenie because you want to clean up your neighborhood instead of tagging it. You know, you're not a weenie because you turn down a fight because you know, you'll whoop that person's ass. Right. That's a different type of confidence. To be able to turn down a fight because you're afraid of the damage you're going to do to the person. Yeah. You know, and, and a lot of them don't know that because it's been watered down. They're, they're, they're not shown that type of stuff. It, yeah. It's considered bruteness. It's like we were raised like that for thousands of years. Now in the last couple hundred years, you want to try to reverse it. It doesn't work like that. It's that woke culture is killing us, man. That woke culture is killing us. You know what I mean? It's okay to be mindful of things that matter but i think we're, we're really combating nature 
and nature's a really <laughs> nature's You're not everything. Beat it. <laughs> hey, guess what? Yeah. A thousand, or let's say a hundred thousand years from now, guess who's gonna be here? Mountains yeah. and nature and frogs Mother and crickets nature. and everything else. Yeah. Human beings now might not be here, but that motherfucker is still gonna be here. Nature's still gonna be here. So we gotta stop trying to think that like we can combat this. That's not to say that we can't evolve. Because evolving mm-hmm. is important, right? Like understanding that like um there's certain things that, that don't make sense that we can evolve. I mean, I think Creatures and humanity have evolved for fucking ever. Mm-hmm. Evolution's important, but to say that we can just stop nature outright is fucking dumb. It's 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 ignorant in a sense. Yeah, and and, and I'm so tired of hearing this thing, and that's the other thing too, man. Like, I keep saying it, man. The yin and the yang is everything when it comes to being healthy in society. The yin and the yang is everything. That doesn't mean that women have to be at home barefoot and pregnant, and men have to be out being the old soul providers. What that means is that. There is a healthy yin and a yang in relationships when it comes to raising kids. It's extremely fucking important. Yeah. We know that now. We have data. There's data for generations now that suggest we know. We know. The, the black community, there's, there's a bunch of um, statistics within the black community that state like the black community, like there's a huge portion of uh, of kids that are, that are born and raised in the black community that don't have fathers. We know in the ghettos of America, this data, you can look into it. Mexicanos are the same thing. If you look at the, the Southern California data, same shit. We know when fathers aren't around to raise kids, to help raise kids, to be that foot in the ass when kids need when kids need it. We know these kids suffer. We know these kids go to other. We're looking for things. Kids look for stuff. Like when I was a kid, what was I looking for? I didn't, I had a dad that was there. He was abusive and a piece of shit to my mom when she left him. I no longer had a dad. So what did I look for? That father figure the, uh, acceptance amongst friends mm-hmm. and the friends, what friends did I find? The friends that were in the same place that I was, was, which was a fucked up place. Yep. You know what I mean? We know this fucking, this is not, this is not rocket science. You know what I mean? So I, I just, I really want people to think about like, Hey man, it's okay. You can do it alone. You don't have to do it with the same person you had the kid with, but you need to have a person in your life that brings value to that kid's life from a yin and yang perspective. It's yeah. so important, man. And, and I, I know, you know, heat of the moment happens and passion happens and, and, but you really, you, the way I see it is when you're going to get intimate with the partner, you got to picture them. That could be the mother of my child. Yeah, That could be the father of my child. Am I ready for that? You know, yes. I had, like I said, my, my son, he was, I would say condoms and pills trying to do that thing. You <laughs> yeah. know, my, my, um. <clears throat> My next one was on the the shot, which is supposed to be like a three-year plan. Didn't work. My next one was on the T, and that's supposed to be like a five-year plan. Didn't work. Yeah. You know, the only thing that worked was was a, a vasectomy. Yeah. And I, as soon as, like, my uh, baby's mother at the time, when we had our fourth, she was, uh, tw- we were 21, right? Right. So we told the doctors, look, we want, we want to get her tubes tied. Doctor says she's too young. I said, "Well, she has four kids." Says, "I'll be right on it." Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> Let me go ahead and handle yeah, that. I'll shit, handle hey. that for you real, real yeah. quick. But when we divorced, I knew that my first thing on the agenda was to get myself fixed. Yeah, because I knew I was going to start getting out there again. And yes, I didn't want another kid. That was a fear of mine mm-hmm. of of happening. But on top of that, was having another baby's mama. Yeah, I did yeah. not want. 
to have to yeah. deal with that because that's lifelong, right? Yeah. Having oh. a kid and the kid's just yours and you could have on your own. Yeah. That that's one thing I could I could handle, but not when somebody's interfering with that. You know. That's a, that too. Oh man, you bring you open a can of worms, bro. That's the thing too. Is like. I always tell people when they, for some reason, people on Instagram think I'm this fucking Dr. Phil, you know what I mean? And I'm like, man, and they ask me questions about kids and having kids. And I'm like, look, the most important thing you're going to do in your life before you have kids is choose who you're going to have kids with. It's the most important thing you're going to do in life. And the thing is, like you said, though, we're so young, we're full of passion and heat and we're going to go out and we're going to have sex and we're going to do whatever else. And you're not thinking, and you know what, dude, the, Fucking pill does not work. Plan B does not work. I tell you, I have an experience. All that shit, they fucking tell us it works. It works 90-some percent of the time. It fucking does not work. What works is choosing the right one, having kids with them, and then figuring out what you're going to do next. The vasectomy thing, man, I've been toying around with that because, um, you know, in all in all transparency, like, I attract a lot of young women. Mm-hmm. And, and the first thing I tell women is when I meet them is, like, I do not want to have any more kids. My son's going to be 18 already. He'll be 18 in a couple months. Um, I can't even imagine starting over. Hell no. (laughs) Can you imagine? If I had a kid right now, I would be an old man about to die still raising kids. I'm like, I'm at the point now where I can go live my life. I can actually have a life again. I can meet somebody I'm going to be with for the rest of my life and be happily in love and all that stuff and enjoy the rest of our life together. I don't want to be stuck raising kids. But the vasectomy thing's Scares me, bro. I just it just seems fucking painful. One of the best investments I ever made. Really? Oh yeah. Should I do it? Hell yeah. If uh, you don't want kids, I and you're gonna what's have to the go pain out there. like though. See, I'm worried about the nuts. The, so the 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 pain that comes from it is when they give you the shot to numb it. Really? And what that would feel like is if you uh got a rubber band and just lifted it up and started snapping it on your nutsack. Damn it. See. And so they do that until it's numb. So they're shooting all over until it's nice, okay. nice and numb. And then once it's numb, you don't feel nothing. You see, you see, because they the keep recovery, you awake. The, the scariest part is having little kids. So if you're sitting on your bed or the couch and you have your ice pack on and they walk in the room and they haven't seen you, that's the oh, scariest part hurts, yeah. because they're going to want to run and jump on you. Gotcha. You know, so, but other than that, it's well worth it, you know? And then they tell you, you got to, um, you have to ejaculate like 25 times before you go and experiment because the pipe, you got to clear the pipes, right? Oh, that's no problem with me, bro. <laughs> I could do that in a day, bro. That's right. <laughs> you know, I, I I'll was, be rubbed uh, raw, dog. Yeah, I didn't have issues with that either. You know, I had plenty of help in that yeah. department. All right, I'll have to look into that because I worry about that, man. But like today, I'm like, holy shit, I ain't even try to have no more kids, man. But again, but back to the main point. The main point is really choosing who you have kids it's it's really important because i know man i don't know let me think of this here most people i know in my life didn't have kids with the right person Mm -hmm. oh yeah that's how we grow up right it's like and but more i guess what i mean by that is nobody plans it nobody that's how i grew up yes nobody plans it correct Mm -hmm. it's an absolute just oh shit you're pregnant all right cool we're doing this you know what i mean and and that is not to me most of the time, real love. Now, sometimes there is real love there. Or real love can come from it. Correct. You know? yeah. Correct. It could come from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. That's what I was trying to say. It could totally come from it. But, man, there's just so many people out there who, who are stuck in situations 
they're unhappy. And again, that boils down to the kids. It, it comes, it trickles down to the kids being unhappy, you mm-hmm. know? So. And I, and I was a victim of this too, obviously. Like uh, I stuck in my marriage for a long time thinking that, oh, I'll do it for the kids. We'll stick together for the kids. Of course, uh, one, it doesn't work out, but two, it causes more harm to your kids because now they're watching and saying, oh, this is what a relationship's like. My mom and dad don't even hug or kiss. They don't even talk. Oof, they can't again, stand bro. each other. Say it again, you know? bro. And it's like you're instilling this in your kids to know that, oh, I can, I'll go seek a loveless relationship. And you're doing major damage by staying rather than making, yes, it's going to be hard, <clears throat> but you got to make that decision, you know? Yeah, you're doing more damage. So I've said this too a lot of times via a lot of posts that it is more damaging to your kids for you to be stuck in a horrible relationship and teaching them what a horrible relationship is than it is to move on and be a single parent. So that there, there's a, there, I keep saying that <clears throat> I'm sure you could be a single parent and do it. It's not good, but it's more damaging to be in a relationship that is toxic and violent and all those other things that could come along with those kind of situations mm-hmm. to kids than it is to be alone. So it's really important to say that it's critically important, man. If you are in a shitty situation, a shitty relationship, you're teaching your kids what the norm is, the quote unquote Correct. norm. And that, that should not be the norm. Correct. So, and, and uh, it's so quick as a parent to say, uh, no, I don't want this for my kid, but you could tell them, but you, words aren't going to compare to years of your kids watching it yes, and being in it and living it. You're not going to talk them out of it. Monkey see, monkey do, Correct. man. You know what I mean? Exactly. And that's why, like I said, when I was a young, when I was a young man, the people I latched on to, it was organic for me to latch on to the people who came from broken homes, who came from violent situations, who came from those kinds of things. It was very organic for me to latch on to those. And mm-hmm. I did my entire youth up until my 20, in my fucking late 20s. Those are the people I latched on to because that kind of was just the norm for me. I was looking for a chaotic situation, uh, whatever it may have been. And, um, again, man, if you're stuck in those situations, it would, a two parent home situation is the, all is the best, uh, uh, most efficient situation for your kids, but you can be single and raise kids. And if more importantly, if you're in a situation where you have a, a volatile situation where you're just trying to make it work for the kids, it's better for those kids to be single than it is to be stuck in that for them to see what is not okay. Correct. You know what I mean? Then to learn what is okay down the road. That's so, been my experience. It's true, yeah. man. If you look at kids, man, we, we, all you have to do is, it, one thing I found out in my life that I've been really, it's been heavy on my heart lately because I've been really just looking into stuff because I started looking back when I was young, man. I was talking to you about when I was in high school, how crazy I was and shit like that earlier when we were talking. Yeah. And I was like, where did all that come from? Where did that anger come from? Where did all that stuff come from? And I could not my finger on it i mean i'm fucking 41 years old and now i'm just starting to figure out like oh that makes sense because back then i only had like 14 years of experience in life and and those three years were really fucking crazy so the next two years after that were like oh that makes sense that's why i was being that way totally makes sense now i'm not making excuses for it no well when like when i work with the kids and i work with my kids a lot like i said i try to work on their mindset the way I the way I, I make a metaphor for him is like when you're a real young kid, you're like molten hot steel yes. and all your experiences affect you. You're easily shaped at that time. 
But as you start to get older, that steel starts to harden. And all your experiences make up what you become. And the older you get, the harder it is to now change. And so you don't wait to your kids a teen and then say, okay, they're old enough. Now I'll leave, (laughs) you know, because the damage is done. Right. You know, you're like, oh, I got to stay because they're a little kid and I don't want them to to uh, not have their dad, but, or their, I don't want them to not have their mom, but it, it's more damaging. You know, um, Joe Rogan, who's like the fucking podcast godfather, right? Yeah. He says something that resonated with me really well. He says, the older I get, the more I look at people as, um, I don't look at them as adults anymore. Like I know what they did. Like I know this guy who became this raper, for instance, he's a rapist or whatever, but I look at him like he was somebody's kid one time. He was somebody's baby. And then he became months old and the parents were with that kid and they taught the kid or whatever. Like he was somebody's kid. No, that's not to say he excuses what that person did, yeah. but you have to go back to your childhood to really understand what's going on today. This is science. I mean, this is fucking psycho analytical shit. You can look into, you know what I mean? Like you really have to go back and look at your childhood to understand what's affecting you today. I remember, um, true story. So when I was, when I was going to become a dad, I was going through a lot of shit. Dealing with super high levels of anxiety. I didn't know what it was. I ended up in the hospital. Didn't didn't know it was anxiety. Thought you were having a heart attack. I thought I was yeah. fucking dying, man. I thought I was having a heart attack. You heard that shit on the podcast. Yeah. I'm like, I'm fucking, something's going on here. So I said, like, you know what? I'm going to go talk to somebody like a counselor or a therapist or whatever, just to see if it's my mind. And um, I realized very quickly, the first thing they were asking, like, were you ever abused? Were you sexually assaulted? Were you this? Were you that? And I'm like, I was none of that. Yeah. But, and then, then you're like, like, Oh wait, <laughs> I was like, Oh wait. But then so I, I dug deeper into like, Holy shit. Like my, my life as a child was very volatile. It was very crazy. Like, and it wasn't the counselor who pulled it out of me. The counselor asked all the wrong questions to be mm-hmm. honest. The therapist asked all the questions, to be honest, the wrong questions rather, to be honest. But myself, I figured out like, Oh, I looked back and I was like, well, okay. If I look back, I was like, 10, 11. In the next couple of years, I was fucking crazy. Got fucking arrested at 12 for tagging in the neighborhood thinking I was cool. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like first time I had ended up with police and jail, or whatever, like it's fucking crazy. And I, and I start to look back and I go, well, if I look back at like my entire experience of life between born until 12, the first 10 years, maybe half of those were good. The second half were crazy, you know? And then the end of that second half was super volatile and, I was like, oh, well, fucking my experience in life was fucking nuts at that point. You know what I mean? So um, it's just I think it's critically important for people to analyze the situations. And I think the most important thing people can do, and it's people like you that are working on this, is not just teaching kids what they need to do to get next, but teaching kids to break the generational curses. The generational thing is super critically important. Until we solve that, until... You and our kids, your kids and my kids don't have to deal with what we dealt with, mm-hmm. whatever that may mean. And then their kids don't have to deal with what they dealt with. And then the following generation, the following generation, then we're going to have some shit that's going to be amazing. You know what I mean? We won't be here to witness it. No. But people like you and people like I are doing uh, what, what, what I would say is God's work to I make sure that, yeah. to make sure that we stop what's going on now. Or what happened to us and happened in our in our generations, and it's not always. It's the thing is, like you grew up with in in, in, a, in a home where you had both parents. Correct. You didn't have any real serious situations, but your friends in the street, your friends in the in the neighborhood, 
those kinds of things where you're going to teach your kids. Those aren't the cool people. Correct. That's your, that's your correction. You know what I mean? Yeah. And th- I think that's when we were talking about earlier, like the older kids teaching the the newer kids. I think that's how you kind of change culture. Yes. Because it's hard to change culture as a 37 year old trying to tell a teen what's cool and what's not. But if at solid, if we could build leaders and the kids that come out of solid can whoop ass. Yep. They're making money so they could buy whatever they want and they look good. They're going to have kids looking up to them. Yep. Right. And like how you and I grew up, what, what kind of, uh, made things happen and was violence. Yeah. It was who, who was the most toughest dude. And then that dude gets everything. He gets the girls, he gets the respect, he gets everything. Right. But usually the guy, but usually the guy's a fucking asshole. That's true too. Usually he's no good. He He doesn't, he's in it for himself. Right. But it doesn't need to be that way. And so just like, you know, another saying is, and excuse me if I, if I slaughter it, but it's like, you're not, you're not capable of peace unless you're capable of great violence. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because if you, if you don't even know how to be violent, then you're not peaceful. Yep. The, the, the protectors, the protectors, I think what you're saying, Robert, me and Robert talked about this before is that society doesn't, society doesn't have toxic masculinity. What it has is a lack of true good wholeheartedness masculinity. The males who protect, the males who provide, the males who do the things that help society succeed. You know what yeah. I mean? We, we have, and I've said this many times, we have a society of a bunch of sissy boys and a bunch of sissy children who just don't, I mean, you see it. In today's society, there's this huge wrap up about like, you know, women empowerment and women successfulness and all stuff. And that's fucking great. And I've always been a huge champion of that. I really am. I was raised by fucking the baddest woman in this world. But let's not forget the men. Because if you forget those boys and you don't teach them how to be men and you're not tough on them and you're not having coaches like Coach Warwrecker and Coach Garcia kicking the shit out of these boys and teaching them how to be men, then you have a bunch of bitches out there as men. And that's dangerous to society. That's more dangerous to society than anything. What you're doing is teaching those boys how to be men. And on the other side of that, we want to teach the women that they don't need to take shit from hundred percent from the boys, you know, hundred percent is that we're going to give you the skills and the confidence so that you can get the partner that you want. You can be in any circle. You could take anything that a, a male is going to say, or another female is going to, uh, or another young lady is going to say, but that self-confidence isn't going to let it bother you, 100%. you know, but there's so many you know, in, in our culture, they call them like hood rats, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. I got this hood rat or this hood rat did this. And this hood rat did that. I was guilty of it, you know, back yeah. then. Oh, yeah. shit, that's a hood rat. All right. Let me, let me go get yeah. at, you know, now obviously I see things from a different perspective. And when I hear another guy call a woman that, it's like that, that young lady just needed love. You know, she was missing it Fucking somewhere. It, she was missing it somewhere. I love it. And she yeah. was trying to come and get it from anyone who would show her attention. And instead of being strong males as a teen that we could have stepped in and told her like, look, you don't need to do this. Like you can, you can have more self-respect for yourself here. Let me, let me show you that not all guys are assholes, but yep. we don't know that. Right. Because the homie's going to talk shit about us if we, if we act like that. And, and we and don't male, have the balls to step up to them. And male attention isn't everything, man. 
no attention to females no. and everything. You can be successful. You can be listening. Man, I love the message, man. I fucking love it. You're right. You're absolutely right, 100%, man. It, it, there, there's a there's an evolution we're going through now that's kind of strange. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, it's teaching, teaching women to be um, strong, to be able to take care of themselves, to not have to be dependent upon anyone else in their lives. It's fucking super amazing, man. I'm all fucking for it. We need to teach men the same fucking... The, we need to teach men to be men. You know what yeah. I mean? Because can you imagine if both sexes... And this is something that like no one talks about. Could you imagine if both sexes, women, were on their shit? We're raising them to be fucking badass. Fucking independent women. Independent, strong, whatever. You know. I, don't Adults, like the word, I don't like the word independent. I'll mm-hmm. talk about that till I'm fucking blue in the face. Mm-hmm. Because... And I'm just going to touch on it lightly. I don't think the word independent is the right word because... Just because you pay your bills and raise your kids, you don't get a golden star for that. That's what mm-hmm. you're supposed to do as an adult. However, being a, a person who can get out in the workforce, being strong, being all those things that matter in society, which are fucking critically important. Can you imagine if a woman was aligned with that and there were, the man in her life was aligned with the same thing and those two people came together? Can you imagine what they could accomplish? I can. It would be fucking yeah. amazing, right? Yeah. It would be fucking amazing. It, it would be... And you know what's crazy is that like, um, I'm going to go ahead and say it. White people have been doing this for a long time. Yep. You know, they say this, this, the strong woman with this really strong guy and match them up. And we're going to have this fucking thing. That's amazing. And they do that. And they are right. We have never been, our society has not been people like us in society have not been kind of, we've not thought about that. You know what I mean? Well, I would say that, Yes, the, like the Europeans and, and they've been up to it. But I would say any type of monarchy would always do that, right? Yep. Even the Aztecs. Yep. They're going to go, they're going to get their princess to be with the strongest male. But what I think what we're dealing with is like, let the peasants be for their own. Yes. You know, let them do whatever they're going to be. But still the higher class, whether they're white, Mexican, black, the powerful are always going to want to link up with the more powerful. Yes. But when when you keep the lower class in the dark, there's such a great chasm between the lower class and the the one percent, right? Hundred percent, man. That they, they make it so easy and comfortable to be lower class. Yep. You know, so oh, I can make under a thousand, and you'll give me housing, you'll give me a free food, and you'll give me all this government assistance. But as soon as I try to start my own business and I start making a little bit of coin, you're gonna hit me with that health insurance that now costs me a thousand dollars a month, bro. You know, now you're talking to me, bro. I'm telling you so, right now, man, it's crazy. But, 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 but that's a whole different, whole different thing. <laughs> but back, back to the topic. The topic is that like, I fucking love what you're doing to elevate women to that, that level of society. Like when I saw, again, I'm bringing up Isaac's daughter, yeah. right? I hope he doesn't get mad if we're talking about her. But, nah, they won't. They but, know Selena's a star yeah, over there. But, but, but when I saw her do that, I was like, my heart, I was like, fuck yeah. This is fucking badass. A little girl with a drone in her hands building some shit out of wood. Like this is fucking badass. This is what we need. Right. Yeah. Because I know Isaac, you know, I don't know. I don't know Jessica too well, but I know Isaac, mm-hmm. you know, since I was young, I'm like an older guy to him. Gotcha. I mean? Yeah. But, but I seen that. And I was like, that's badass. That's what we need. That's what we need. It's champion them. You know what I mean? Because then those kind of girls that turn into women will want to find that badass dude. Yeah. And that's only going to elevate society. You know what I mean? I just want to make sure, though, the most important thing to me personally 
is that right now it's all about women. I want to make sure that we elevate men too to be those good guys, to be those people who, who give back, to, to be like, I look at my grandfathers, I look at people, uh, my uncle John, for instance, who's only a few years older than me, but I look at people, men like that, who were men, what I would call men amongst men. You know what I mean? Yep. And it's not about one or the other. Right now I feel like society is really about one or the other. It's got to be about both. Because when we elevate both, then we fucking can do and accomplish great fucking things. I'm with you, Javi. That's why we have boys and girls yeah. in the program. That's why we don't we don't separate them. That's awesome. There's sometimes we'll have competitions like, okay, girls against boys. But that's just, you know, fun competition. Sure. But that's why, like, wrestling is so important. The tackle games we do, the physical contact games. Because if the if the both sexes could get used to what it feels like to be embraced with each other that takes like so much fear and scare away when they get older and they start they have to be physical whether it's an altercation or whether it's to be intimate it's not for their first time now right they've been doing it ever since they were a little kid with people that aren't their family and so it's not a big shock to them you know it's important but can you imagine a young lady being attacked by a, a young man and it being her first time that a guy goes to grab her oof She'll probably more than likely freeze, Freak right? Freak out, yeah. And so that you know that's why it's so important, and then vice versa to teach these to teach these guys. Look, you got to teach these ladies like they're your teammate, not that they're a girl, but they're your teammate. They're your teammate. So you go full force. You don't slow down. You don't go lighter. You give her everything you got because they're your teammate, and that's starting to let them see that they're equals. True equality. True equality, right? Yeah, I love that. And that now they're growing up together like that. I love that, man. This generation is going to be a, a good generation. I, I feel like, it, it, you know, I did I did a podcast with my son, and then I did a podcast with uh, uh, my friend Jaime and his son. And uh, those are the first podcast podcast I did. And it, it, it resonated with me in one way, is that this new generation isn't that bad. Oh, yeah. They're not that bad. We, we, we love to look at them as they're this and they're that. Now, they do lack a lot of what I would say um, uh, toughness and balls. But the way I see it, Javi, is we raised them. No. no I, I, I want to tell you why I yeah. disagree with that. Go ahead. So I agree with everything you said until right now. And I'll tell <laughs> you why. Because um, – I have been a very involved parent, obviously, with my son since he was young, right? So, and I actually fucking hate when people who don't have kids say that. Mm -hmm. We raised them. They're bad. Because there's a huge influence that society puts on people that have nothing to do with us as parents. So, for example, uh, I'm with my son since I've I've had 50-50 custody of him since he was, I don't know, a year until... However many years till I got full custody. So I had him one week on, one week off. <clears throat> now, even when I got full custody, let's just say after 10 years old, I have full custody, right? So I, at that point, I get up in the morning, I feed him breakfast. You know, he gets up, he gets breakfast, he gets dressed, he goes to take him to school. He's at school for six, seven, eight, nine hours, and he goes to daycare because I work full time. Yeah. He's there for another three, four hours. He's literally at school. For say twelve hours or whatever, uh, ten hours, and then I pick him up. I come home. Then he eats dinner. He takes a bath and he goes to bed. So from Monday through Friday, school has way more time. School and society 
and what the curriculum is given to school has way more influence on him than I do as a parent. And social media, and TV, social media, everything like TV, that. everything else. Yeah. So you can back to the solid foundations. You can build a solid foundation for a kid, but society, especially if they're in public school, if you don't have the money to put them in a private school that has your views and your ethics and morals and the way you want to raise a kid uh, in mind, public school is going to raise your fucking kid. Right. So I'll rebuttal <clears throat> that. Sure. With who's running the public schools? Who's allowing it to be like that? The I know state. it was built a long time ago, sure. but the ones managing it now are us, are adults a little bit older than us, maybe. In the end, oh, we. No, we, no, no, no. I want to. Let me everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the state creates a curriculum. The state says the state makes laws saying, for instance, Biden just reversed a law. Just to give you an example. Yeah, gotcha. All sports now today, if you claim that you are a male, you are a female, transgender, even though you're a male, you don't have to prove that. You don't have to say when that happened, whatever else. You can just say a little boy now, maybe the boy 17, to give you an example. And now that boy is now a trans female, is competing against young girls that are 17 years old in high school. Yeah. Now, let's say that's combat sports. Yeah, my youngest girl's a wrestler. Yes, so let's say so, she had to compete. Let's say let's say your youngest girl's seventeen years old. Yeah, sixteen. Sixteen, yeah, yeah. and had to compete against a sixteen-year-old boy. At sixteen, even if I claim or not claim, but even if I feel that I am, and by the way, I'm totally pro-trans, pro-gay, whatever. Yeah, be what you, you want to yep. be. I don't care. That's Same fucking here. on yeah. you, man. I don't care. Whatever. It doesn't matter to me one bit. And I hope that society treats you properly. But what I'm saying is a school system passes laws like this that teach our kids different things, right? When I went to school, we were taught sex ed like in ninth grade. My son was getting sex ed in the fifth grade and they were already talking about gay stuff in the fifth grade. Which means that what if I was a parent? Again, I'm pro whatever you want to be. Yeah. But what if I was not that? What if I didn't want my child to have that experience yet at fucking 10 years old? So society and the government has a huge weighing voice on your kids' opinions, ideals, and outcomes. Again, you can build the foundation. You can continue to be that rock in their life. But the school system, society, social media, TV, the fucking yeah. government has a legal right to tell your kids what is right or what is wrong and different things that are really um, gray area topics. Yeah. The, the stack, mm -hmm. the deck is stacked against us 100%. for sure because people like us, we need to work. Yeah. We don't have the trust fund coming in. You know, we don't have that um, residual income, that mailbox money coming in. So we do rely on that type of, uh, on that type of a system to help with our kids with that being said, there's a lot of work that we need to do because no one's going to come do it for us, right? Right. To start changing that. And whether it's uh, like you were talking, electing the local elections, like you were talking in your, your yes. last podcast, yeah, right? Yeah. Yep. Doing things like that, like whether it's getting more people from our community to run or just start programs like we've started solid. Like we're, we're so caught up in the rat race of I got to go work. And if I'm not, if I'm not making this month's rent, I got to get another job. Yeah. Like that's the top of your priority rather than saying I'm spending less and less time with my kids and putting them in 
places where they're necessarily not getting the knowledge and experience that I want them to get. Yeah. The, the, the only thing I'm saying is, is, is to touch back on the point is that I fucking absolutely respect and appreciate men like you and people like you who are doing what you're doing in society. Thank you, brother. But I super love when people say, um, you know, we're the one raising these kids. We are, we are. And you know what? 90% of the time, probably if we're doing our job right, our kids are going to be okay. But there's still those kids like you mm-hmm. look at yourself. For example, you came from a great fucking family, right? Yes, sir. You came from a good family, mom, dad in the household, all that stuff. You decided to make your own decisions. Yeah. That's my point in case. You know what I mean? That's what, yeah, that's, I that's got what you. Saying. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so like, it's tough to me when I heard people, especially people who don't have kids. I'm like, fuck well, off. Well, that's dude. a whole different story, yeah. you know? That's I'm yeah. like, fuck off. Do you, you, you don't even have a kid. You're going to tell me with well, these kids. And it's always younger people who say that. Like, and I'm not saying you, but yeah. that's what I, I hear a lot from younger people. Like, well, you raised us. Actually, from that generation. Well, you raised us. Well, I'm like, oh, fuck You off, see, but that's Cyrus, contradictory. Man. The, the yeah. kids can't be saying that themselves because it's yeah. what, where I'm coming from <clears throat> is ownership. Right. So as the kid, as the generation, you can't say, oh, well, you did it. Because right. that's their problem in the first place. You need yep. to take ownership of yep. what's going on. And the big thing for me, Javi, is ownership's important for me. Not because I'm like egotistical or, or, I, or I don't think other people are capable. It's because when I don't take ownership, the solution's out of my hands. And I don't I like it. that. I love it. Hey, did you guys hear that? Ownership. That's fucking really important, man. Man, see, I really appreciate that. That's something I can respect. There's a, there's a lot of people who, yeah, you're right. It's all about ownership about yeah. ownership 100% and you know and again though but to the parents who who are listening who do have kids that are um, struggling mm-hmm. it's not always your fault that's the only, no. that's the only message I want to get out there yeah. is that it's not always the parents fault I mean you can do your absolute best you can give everything back that you never you know that you all, all that you could try to your upteenth best to try to give back best to your, of your ability yeah. and kids are going to fail no matter what it's we're humans. We're all humans. We all fall, fall. We all fail. And there's going to be some times where kids come from a perfect home. I mean, you can look at rich, wealthy people. A lot of times those are the worst off. Exactly. Yeah. Because they're given everything. Yeah. You know and, I mean? and when you hear about like the stories where oh, I'd, I had to go to work with my parents because they didn't have any babysitters and I've been working uh, since I was 13 and they have, they're well off. <clears throat> they're stable. Right. Because they went through that struggle, right? That struggle. You had to get that. That iron needs to get sharpened. Yeah. And when you don't, you don't want to be a limp sword, right? Yeah. Crazy story. So when I was young, man, I remember this like it was yesterday. But I must have only been, I don't know, maybe five, six years old, maybe seven. My grandpa, my grandpa Juan Madrigal, Juan Aguilera Madrigal, Mm -hmm. uh, he's from Guanajuato, but he was born here. Uh, My grandfather. Uh, used to be, he used to clean, he'd be a janitor. He would clean all the big businesses in downtown Santa Barbara. So he had all these contracts down there. And uh, when I was young, you know, my mom was going through college or whatever else. She was a single mom pretty much at the time. He would take me with him to work after hours. And he would go, obviously, you, what do you do? You clean offices after hours. Yep. So, you know, those big, um, <laughs> it's a fucking crazy story. It's, it's weird that I remember this now, but it's, it's, it's totally applies is, uh, he would take me to work with him when I was a little kid, just a fucking little baby, barely walking pretty much you know, yeah. only for a few years, you know, and he would take me to work with him and he would give me, he made a, he fashioned out of a hanger. He put a big red magnet at the end of it. 
So at the offices, he was responsible for, you know, vacuuming, dusting, cleaning the bathrooms, that kind of stuff. Now, back then, there was no computers. Yeah. There was literally, you had a typewriter on your desk, and everyone worked with paper, and they had staples. So all the staples would fall over the floor. So my job was, at like five or six years old, with this thing that he made out of a fucking wire coat hanger, with the big metal, you know, I'm talking the magnets that you see like on cartoons. Yeah. With the big red magnets yep. in the bottom white. Literally, that at the end of it. You know, Acme magnets. Yeah. The Acme <laughs> magnets. I would walk around with that magnet and pick up the staples. You know how much fucking fun that was to me? Like, I, I had the fucking time of my life going through what I thought was like really wealthy, rich people's offices and picking up their magnets, picking up their stables for them. That's yeah. what I did. I was working at that age with my grandfather. Did he kick you down a little something? No. I mm-hmm. mean, what he kicked me down, what he kicked me down was, was an understanding that, Hey, work, this is work, man. We're going to go work yeah. together. But it wasn't just work. It was fun. He made it fun for me. Hey, me, here's a magnet on the end of a fucking coat hanger and go pick up all the staples. Like gamified it, right? It, it, yeah, yeah. He made it like a game for yeah. me. Like what you're doing what for we're these doing. kids. Yeah, exactly. He did that for me. And, and I look back now, I think like, holy shit, man. And I remember those times. I'm like, what an amazing thing. And you know what's crazy? The first time I had my own office, I was, um, I think like 19, 20 years old. And I got my own first office where I was in an office. Like I could close my door yeah. and it had a name sign on my office. And I was already fucking doing great in technology. Like I was in IT already, right? And I remember I closed my fucking door and I sat down and I said, and my grandfather had just died. And I said, man, he would be so fucking proud. Cause now somebody's picking up my staples, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And I remember being yeah, so fucking proud, bro. Like, God damn. Yeah. And, and, um, it was fucking really heavy for me. And I was like, I fucking made it. But at that moment I was like, I made it, but I'm not done. You know, yeah. like, it was a big fucking deal to me. Cause I remember I was as a baby picking up somebody else's staples in their office. And now I have an office. And what's so big about that, Javi, and especially like the emotion that you have tied to it, is there so many more of us parents that could be that person for our kids. Right. You know, but there's so many of us that are going, well, I'm going to take this job that's going to pay me 130K, not going to see my kid as much. I'm going to be miserable, but we'll be able to afford a bigger house. I'll be able to have a nicer car. Right. Where in turn, let's just say you love, um, you love peanut butter. And you're, and you could make 60 K making your own peanut butter and selling it. And you could have your kids there every day, helping you with it. Yeah. You got a smaller house, you got a beat up car, but you're happy as fuck. That's the flip side of it. And, and, but, but you're not conditioned to do that. School doesn't teach you to do that. Right. Right. School says, okay, uh, jump on the assembly line. Uh, here's preschool K and you go through it and you pop out a good employee for somebody. Yeah. You know, so that's what school does. It conditions people to be employees. Exactly. Yeah. But there, there, there's ways out of it. And, and, and what you said is so powerful because more of us can be doing that. I feel so fortunate because when I started my businesses, my kids were, some of them weren't, one of them wasn't born yet. And the others were like barely born, maybe right. two or three. So as soon as they could pick up a tool, they were working, they were cutting cardboard. You know, we do office furniture. So we install um, cubicles and desks, like right. your office. Well, you know, we were talking earlier, if you, where you worked, we did all that furniture in there. Yeah. So there's so much work. A kid could come in at an early age and be taking trash out yep. to the truck. Yeah. They'll be working with grown adults and they're part of the crew. Yeah. And so I'm fortunate because 
I made that investment early and I got to have that for my kids to know what it's like to be on a job site, what it's like to be working around in that environment. And it carries on, you know, just like, look at you. Yeah. I don't think it's any surprise at your success because you had that work ethic instilled in you at a young age. Yeah. And so all I'm trying to do is like spread that to the community. And if I could create more leaders and solid, then they'll spread it. And yeah. then it'll keep on multiplying. So you know? badass, man. I, I'm, I'm, um, Super proud that it's been like you're doing what you're doing. And in the neighborhood I grew up in, people don't know this, but uh, you're, you're like, what, a block or two from Solo Street? Oh. Uh, How far are you from Solo? Right. You know, remember no. where Washington Fund used to be on the west side? Oh, where our, um, where we train at? Yeah. We're right by Sola. We're right on Sola. There's a laundromat right there on the corner. Okay, so I almost died on that street. So here's a funny story yeah. about that. Well, that's funny. So, <laughs> so I, I, I grew up, yeah. in, I grew up a block and a half from there riding my bike with all my friends. And on Solo Street, I got hit by a truck when I was like uh, 13 on that street. Yeah. Because my, all my homies live right there uh, with my cousin, my best friend. And uh, we used to be taggers back then. And that night we were going to go tagging. So I had these big, again, latchkey kids. Yeah. Latchkey kids hanging out in the neighborhood. We all were latchkey kids. And my mom was in Vegas at the time. Uh, she was a young mom. I don't blame her for any of this shit. She was awesome. My mom was fucking amazing. Yeah. Uh, she was human, right? She was human. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and we were just a wild kid, you know? And so on, so, so you're, you're on the same street pretty much where I almost died where that fucking, that, 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 that laundry mat, we used to call it Washington fund. I used to go play dig dug and Pac-Man there uh-huh. back in the day, like literally in the eighties. And so that day we were going to go out tagging that night or whatever, whatever, you know? And I had these long shorts, the nineties, you had these long ass shorts and I had a, a bottle. Uh, I had two spray cans in each pocket of Krylon with fat caps on them and everything ready to go. And um, we went to my friend's house that day and we were hanging out and he had an orange tree and we were having, or- we were literally hucking fucking oranges at each other, like, like an orange fight. Yeah. And like, you know, back then, like, can you imagine doing that today? Cause like, Oh my God, that's going <laughs> to hurt. You know, and we're hucking oranges. You mess each other. up their new air force one. So. Fuck yeah. bro. We were hucking oranges at each other. Yeah. And so we're like, all right, we're going to jam. We're going to jam me and my cousin and my best friend, Jacob, my cousin, Canito, Alex, People will know who we're talking about. Shout out to Raw Dallo and rest in peace to Adrian. My Adrian, Raw and Adrian live at that house. Adrian mm-hmm. just passed away, um, committed suicide not long ago. Rest in peace. Love that guy, man. But anyways, um, so we were having an orange fight and uh, we were leaving. I'm like, hey, let's jam, let's jam, let's get out of here. So we were running out. They were hucking oranges as we were running out, right? And we were going to go tag on the freeway that night. And I ran out on the street like a dummy. There was a dump truck there. So you couldn't see. So I ran out on the street and this fucking truck hit me at like 30 miles an hour. And it shot me up like bat, like fucking Superman, bro. I did like three or four flips in the air yeah. and landed on my head. And I had my back was all fucked up. My head was all bloody. And I had an out of body experience, which is crazy because people talk about that. And I really had one that day because I remember like not feeling no pain when I hit the ground. I was out. I was. I was not. I wasn't out unconscious, but I remember seeing myself and my best friend and my cousin screaming at me because they were the ones that were running outside. Like, Harvey, you okay? Are you okay? And I remember thinking, like, what's crazy is I felt no pain. I felt zero pain. But the only thing I can say, and I'm, I'm watching myself say this, by the way, it's weird, yeah. man. It's weird shit. Is I remember saying everything hurts, and that's all. That's all I could say. And I remember seeing my body say that, like myself coming out of my words. And everyone's screaming, whatever else, whatever. And then like maybe like five or ten seconds later, it's like I came back into my body and I was like, 
oh shit. And I kind of like became aware of what happened and I tried to jump up on my feet and then I fucking fell down on the ground. Boom, hard. And I was like, ah, I started screaming really loud, bro. And I felt pain from like the, my big toe all the way through my head, like through my entire body, like pain I had never felt. And I had broken bones before that, but I had never felt pain like that. And I was like, what the fuck is screaming, right? All this shit's going on or whatever else. <laughs> the truck driver runs up to me. He's screaming at me in Spanish. Pinche pendejo morro. Pendejo. He's screaming at me like, what the fuck? Wait, in Spanish, why'd you run on the street, you know? I'm like, fuck, dude. And so, anyways, long story short, I go to the hospital. I end up having this crazy... I shattered my leg from like my femur down to part of my leg. The doctors were like, no, you have no problem. Like, it's okay. They sent me home that night, dude. I'm pissing blood. I'm fucking like busted up. I'm in like a fucking almost not a body cast, but I have casts all over my body. But they're like, we can't find any broken bones because medical stuff back then even wasn't even that good. It wasn't until Uh MRIs were fairly new back then. Right. This is like 30 years ago. So MRIs are fairly new. When they finally did an MRI like two weeks later, the doctor's like, oh shit, man, I'm sorry. Like, sorry about that. He's like, sorry about that. Mm-hmm. You have hairline fractures all the way through your femur, down your knee, down the bottom of your leg. And I was like, dude, I fuck because I was screaming at the doctors. I'm fucking, something's wrong. You don't understand. Something's wrong. Like, no, no, you're fine. Anyways, long story short is I grew up in that neighborhood, man. So when I saw you posting those videos, I was like, holy shit, man, that's the fucking neighborhood I almost died in. I was like, I'm pretty sure that's like right there. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's cool, man. Little trip down memory lane for me, but I'm excited that people like you and Dustin and everyone else are doing things, uh, uh, superior fitness, right? Superior fitness, yep. Are doing things in the neighborhood I grew up in to help out kids, man. And I'm super excited to see friends of mine that I know, their daughters, they're doing fucking big time shit, man. That's fucking really cool, man. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's there's nothing more important than the kids. I keep saying that to people. There's nothing more important than our kids. They are our reflection on this earth. So make sure our reflection is really good. And it does take a fucking neighborhood to raise a child. And people like you are doing that. Um, and, and, and I am literally, I feel like I'm indebted to people like you. Like mm-hmm. I want to help out. I want to find a way to, uh, get funding for something like this. Um, I'm sure there's people out there that can help out, you know, fund this thing right so my uh, first before i go on i want to say it's me and i have a whole team behind me sure i want to give them the credit where it's due because i couldn't be doing what i'm doing without them i do dream when it comes to fundraising believe it or not my whole model was never to rely on grants because i had no idea how to do that this is my first nonprofit. i come from a business background but not a nonprofit background and so when they were saying there's like um when we first started, right, we got different, different things. You can't start a non-business. There's too, the non-profit, there's too many in SB. The process is too hard. It's too outdrawn. It's too out long. Some people say, no, it's easy. You know, um, we, we had a, a girl, a, a lady in the, in the community, Jacqueline Inda, who helped us out very early. And she kind of shined the light on us. She said, no, the hard part of it is running it like a business. Right. The other stuff's just paperwork. So we're like, oh, we got that. You know, and we just, we went from there, but my model was never, oh, let me write these grants. And cause if I have to stare at a computer screen too long, I'm going to fall asleep, you know, or, or I'm going to have to go to the bathroom. I'm going to have to get a drink. I'm going to get all, all like, you know, this podcast is going long, bro. I got to piss already. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, uh, but so what I'm saying is 
I was always, my thought was I need to make the program self-sustainable. Yeah. And that's why what the kids build, we sell. So that's one way to get money in. Oh, that's dope. The other thing is like, um, you know, like when Cottage Hospital was built in Santa Barbara, they have donors from all over Santa Barbara and different things, and they got their plaques on the wall. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So what I wanted to do with Solid is do something like that where we can sell, we can sell a piece, like a brick, and we're going to build pyramids out of those bricks, but the community can buy a brick. That's dope. And they'll have Can their I buy name. your first brick? I would love that. I would buy I, your first brick, I would brick, love bro. that. Yeah. And, th- and those bricks, what it is, is like a monthly contribution. Even if it's like 20, 25 bucks a month. But if we get people like who just are willing, like, I love what you're doing. I want to do a part. I want to be a part of it. Yeah. That's a way. You know, not all of us have the capabilities to be there physically, yeah. but we all have a way to contribute. I'll buy your first brick, bro. Gotcha, brother. I'll hold. I yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll put that together. And, uh, and w- but what the kids can see, too, is that. It's people in the community that believe in you. Because you got to give back. You know, you're giving back. Look what you're doing. People believe in what you're doing. And they're putting their money into you because they want to invest in you. And so I've always thought of it as like solid is going to be this grassroots homegrown where we don't need to rely on the ultra wealthy to do what we do. Like we started with the zero budget. We started with no money. We started no no charging, you know. And then but money is fuel we gotta have that to to do what we do that's growth for sure and and, and it's not i want to make sure you i'm sure you already understand this but a lot of people who are in this kind of space really worry about turning a prop it's not a profit it's it's money to help out fuel the organization because the more financial help you have in your organization the more kids and children and people you can reach to help the influence right the like, wider reach and, and yeah. so if people are always like oh, i don't want to do this and i don't want to do that i don't want to charge for this like no you have to to be able to to fuel this thing to make it grow but grants and all this other stuff do matter man yeah they do matter right they, they matter tremendously and and <clears throat> where i was going with is i had no idea that we would have a grant would be our first major source of income but it ended up being that way and so it's kind of opened my mind and like wow there's there's these people who who really do care. And it took my mind a while to like wrap around that. Like I know why I care and, and, and and I'm doing it because I want to give back, but these people don't know me. They don't know any of the kids. Like, but the fact that it happened and it was such a nice, you know, uh, chunk that we're able to do volumes of work. We're able to expand now our classes and bring more kids in because of that. And so grants, I still don't know how to write a grant because, like I said, they came to us. Right. But I do understand it is an important thing. But I still, my main, where I'm going to go is to the community. And I think it's a service to the community, too, because we want to be a part of something. We want to be able to contribute some way to say, I'm a part of that. I'm a part of Solid. You know, they're growing. They could watch us on IG, Facebook, YouTube and say, it's because of my money that I put in, my hard-earned money that this program's able to flourish and they're exactly right. Cause they are helping us do it. Dude, we got to find a way to, to, to fund this thing, man. I think there's, there's definitely ways. Um, Jacqueline Indime. I don't know why I know her name. I, I, it sounds really familiar, but uh, we got to get people in the community to look at this. You know, we can spread this podcast to people and, yeah. and, and get people who, who have the ability to, to uh, uh, fund these kinds of projects and these kinds of organizations make it successful i mean it's already successful but i want to see it grow man i mean everything you said so far has been just like 
yeah, 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 yeah. There's nothing you've said where I was like, oh no, this fucking, why would it help this guy out? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like everything you said is, it's, it's hitting on all pistons. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we need to make sure this thing grows. So we have to find a way to do that. And, and what we'll do is we'll share this on Instagram, on Facebook, on those things. Um, and, and I'll reach out to people that I know in the community. I know a lot of people out here in Oxnard uh, these days because I've been out here for a long time. Um, but I'm originally from Santa Barbara. Yeah. And raised. I mean, I have Chumash Indian in my fucking... Hey, Oxnard's 805. Back, huh? You know, it's all 805. Yeah. But, but and may, maybe, you know what? Maybe start a program like this out here. Well, what my plan was, Javi, is I don't want to expand... I don't have some major dream of solid being like this nationwide thing. Right. What I do, my dream is to, I get it right in Santa Barbara and it's a blueprint for somebody else who has the heart Perfect. in another city to go, okay, I just copy what solid did and we can consult them. We can give them the tools so they don't got to do, learn all the hard things that we did and hit all right. the obstacles we did, but they'll have a blueprint to do it. And they're going to be more successful because they're from that community right. other than me stepping into a community I'm not from. Because the way I'm able to build what I do is my relationships that I've, that I've fostered throughout the years of being in Santa Barbara. I fucking love it, man. And I'm sure I can find somebody like that out here because I think Oxnard really needs this, man. I think every I, I community think, I think does. every community no? does. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Um, it ain't going to get you off the hook from being a part of all of it, though. Nah. I'll, <laughs> like I said, I'll... I'll, I'll, I'll I, if it's successful, I'll go wherever it needs to go. If, if they want my advice, if they, yeah. if they you know need a model, because a lot of times it takes kids to bring kids, right? 100%. So solid can go to another neighborhood for the week or the weekend. Yeah. And I could bring all the kids with me. Yep. You know, I get a lot of people who say, oh, I'm a, I'm a chef and I'd love to teach the kids. If you're ready, I got a whole group. Yep. You know, good shit, man. <laughs> Fuck. We have to find a way to get money to this thing just to make it expand, man. And, and shout out to Dustin, Dustin Aliano for yep. for uh, offering up his gym to, to allow these kids to do stuff in it. One hundred percent, right? No, he didn't need no business plan, nothing. He said, "Gil, I heard what you're doing. I want to be a part of it. You let me know." I told him what we needed, and he said, "It's yours." Amazing, yeah. man. Just give shout out to him, Superior Fitness. Um, it's man, what 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 an amazing thing to to for you to be able to do. Uh, for others, man, and I really commend you, man, genuinely from the bottom of my heart. Like, like there's, again, coming from a, a background of of not ha having these kinds of resources, but also coming from a background of just being a wild kid to know that this exists for those kind of kids is awesome, yeah. man. Um, so we'll, yeah, again, we'll we'll get to the point of showing this out, all that kind of stuff, and getting it going and. And I fucking appreciate you coming on the podcast, man. It was an awesome My one. My pleasure for having me. I'm not used to being on the other side of the mic, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, dude, uh, like I told you earlier, man, just conversational stuff, you know, but I'm glad we got to hook up. I hope we do it again. Uh, like we talked about, there's other there's other people we could bring on the podcast, yeah. right? We could be Victor on, yep. Philip, other people. We could bring people on the podcast and we can, uh, uh, there's other stuff I want to talk about. Like I want to talk about, um, the kids who were killed in Santa Barbara recently, mm -hmm. for instance, you know what I mean? There was murders that happened there, all that stuff. Cause all that stuff kind of ties into kids having an outlet, you know yeah. what I mean? So yeah, we uh, did a uh, Vic and Philip and I did a podcast on youth violence shortly after that happened. We'll talk about but, that a little yeah. bit. Well, we were just talking about how, well, we'll first talk about what happened. Cause I don't, I don't know. Cause everyone, I, I don't want to, I don't want to talk too much about it because I mean, I don't know the families. I don't, I don't okay. know a lot of the details, you know? Okay. So, um, 
I, I really can't speak too much on it. And when we did our podcast, it wasn't exactly okay about what just happened. It was just about youth, bi- youth violence, violence in general okay. and, and, the, and the experiences that we had. So, so I'll say that there was, there was two young, two young males, two young males who were killed in the East side of Santa Barbara uh, a few weeks ago. Yeah. They were shot and killed in, in front of their homes. In front of their homes. Yeah. Right. And it was gang riots in Santa Barbara. Basically. They, they haven't caught anybody. They have, yeah. I don't think they've even but done an investigation. what about the other two guys? That, and, oh, they did a whole gator roll for them. Okay. So yeah, let, yeah. I'm, I'm going to, I'm just going to talk about that for yeah. a second. So people know. So there was two acts of violence in Santa Barbara. Uh, one was, there was two young male Mexican kids who were killed in front of their house on the east side of Santa Barbara, and uh, there's still no, there's been no arrest made, right, on that no, case? No arrest, no talk about investigation. Investigation, anything, mm. right? And then uh, after that, there was uh, two young white males who were uh, killed in, it was Alavista or Galita? Uh, it was, uh, I think they said Galita. Galita, right, in Galita, yeah. which, which basically right north of Santa Barbara. Right. Santa Barbara pretty much, if you, you know. But anyways, uh, after they, those kids were killed, um, there was a huge investigation. Um, they did a whole gate. What we call a gated rule. Gated rule in Santa Barbara means basically they go to a bunch of suspects houses and like there's SWAT teams everywhere and a bunch of places, a bunch of different areas are hit on the same time. So they arrest a bunch of different folks. And so they went out and they arrested a family and father and son or whatever else. And they've determined who had killed these guys. And the difference is one was gang violence on the East side of Santa Barbara with two Mexican kids. Uh, no investigation in the sense of at least no outcome yet. I don't know. I'm sure they're investigating. I'm, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to hate on I cops. would hope so. Yeah. 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 I'm sure they're investigating, but they have nothing there yet. But then another murder happens with two white kids over some weed transactions mm-hmm. that was like legal weed. It was not anything gang related. And all of a sudden there's this huge SWAT roll and multiple houses are hidden. And then they have like an entire uh, arrest already happened there. So like, if you look at it from a community where we come from, we're like, what the fuck, dude? What about these kids? What These kids deserve fucking justice. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and so I think what you're saying is that you don't want to talk on the specifics because you don't know the family. I don't yeah. know the family either. Yeah, yeah. I don't know the family either. But you did, you guys did talk about gang violence and kind yes. of stuff like that. You know what I mean? And, and that stuff's really important to talk about too. And, and I think we could probably have a podcast just solely on that subject. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm with you it. Know? So we can have a discussion about that. You know I mean? That would be a good one. And uh, like I had Victor on the podcast, we talked about, that was a good one. It was a good one, right? Yeah. Drugs and, and all that stuff and the history and stuff like that. And he's an open book, man. And yeah, he is. He's been my fucking homie since I was a man, since junior high. You know what I mean? So he's come a long way, man. Yeah. He's come a long way. He's definitely a success story, you know, and I hope he continues to, to keep driving down that path. You know I think I mean? he will. He seems motivated and has the drive and it's like, he has a whole new, Breath of life in him. Yeah. Oh, he, I absolutely, I mean, he's here in my kitchen and we're talking and we're bullshitting and we're yeah. whatever else. And, and I'm like, man, I'm so happy for you, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? And both I, him and Philip are with the cause. Anything solid ever has needed or asked of them, uh, no hesitation from either sure. of them. Well, I'm with the cause too, uh, brother. Appreciate I, I'm you, here honey. to help. And if you do do the brick program, I would love to be the first we person. We will be doing it and okay. I'll reach out to I'm you. I'm buying the first brick. Gotcha, brother. And I'll pay the monthly charges, whatever it is, man. I'm in for it, man. So, thank you. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening, man. I really, really appreciate it. This was a really good one. Uh, I, I swear, man, these podcasts keep getting better and better. I keep talking to real people. You know what I mean? See it's what happens? Fucking awesome, man. Yeah. You it's know? a beautiful thing when you conversate, right? Oh, yeah. man. We got to do more of that. We got to get people more in front of each other, especially our kids, man. Uh, face-to-face conversations, everything. 
It's everything, man. Yeah. Gilbert, thanks, brother. Avi, thanks for having me. I appreciate it, man. Take care. All right. got to learn a little bit more about myself and solid foundations if you enjoyed make sure to go check out hashing it out with javi anywhere you find podcasts and subscribe he's got plenty of other good episodes till next time take care